for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and it is an Articles of News episode where, let me tell you, if this goes the way that I think it's going to go, it's going to be a real long episode. Got a bunch of news, plus we had the Thanksgiving holiday that's now behind us, plus we have, uh, you know, a lot that we haven't covered in the last little bit, and because it's the Thanksgiving break, you're probably like, oh, everyone's off being with family. I find that sometimes that's an opportunity to be able to connect with people that otherwise wouldn't be able to join us here in the cultural hall. Um, that is not the case with Megan the Mitch Mitchell. She is my favorite <laughs> Uh, with her schedule to say, today, yes, this time, boom. Uh, which isn't to say that you're not highly in demand, but uh, for whatever reason, our schedules align well. She's going to help out with I the just opening figured that I'm the... Sorry, i talking over you. I just figured that I'm your favorite child. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, you are my favorite uh, sometimes, is what my mom always would say. You are yeah, my favorite yeah. sometimes. Uh, in yes. the second block... Uh, we're going to do some news. And again, I don't know because we're recording this as three separate things. The second block will likely be pretty light news. Different things like, uh, you know, the lights at Temple Square and some of these other things. And then if it happens the way that I think it's going to happen, the third block will be the if you just wanted light news, go ahead and stop after the second block because there are a few, uh, you know, uh, heavier stories. Uh, another case of abuse within the church, a little bit of an update on Tim Ballard. Uh, we'll talk about David Archuleta uh, and, and where he's recently popped up. That's not necessarily as heavy as some of those others that I mentioned, but it will be very much that third block of the cultural hall. And it should be different co-hosts for each of them. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm curious to see how this ends up, but that'll be coming up in the second and third block. I have you here in the uh, first block because you can always send us an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. We love being able to chat with you. And there have been a few people that have uh, reached out and have chatted. So let us start here. We read Let's Travis's email a couple weeks ago. Um, this was talking about the merit badge for white privilege. So, um, you know, he said, hey, you know, we keep talking about white privilege and you shamed her for being able to go on vacation, whatever. And I reached out after that and I said, hey, I want you to know uh, we read your email. I, I hope you felt like we addressed the concerns that you have. And you should know that that uh, contact mm -hmm. at hall.com. Likely, if you email, we will share your email on the show. Um, so you have to, in the first little bit, say, I would prefer to be anonymous or somewhere, certainly, in the email. Otherwise, you will likely be shared. So uh, Travis didn't do that. I think he was grateful that we were able to have the discussion. And the follow-up with Travis occurred as follows. He says, I did, hear, uh, I did hear your reading of the feedback, and I felt like you glossed over it. And Megan okay. seemed convinced that she has white privilege. It's like you completely missed the point that in an attempt to virtue signal your lack of racism, that you are being racist. I've met and been around plenty of very successful people of all races and skin colors, and the common thread between all is effort. Anybody of any color can make as much effort and outwork or underwork perform. Megan and her family should take as many trips as they can. 
as, as many trips as they can make work for them, and we should all support and encourage them. And she should never apologize for the work that it took to get there. Hold on. The same goes for all. You being the keeper of all feelings and love based on how often uh, and love based on how often you virtual signal is off-putting. However, not so bad as to keep me from listening to your show. It may spark frustration to the point where I feel it necessary to waste both our times in these email exchanges, but I'm still listening. So I wrote back and I said, <laughs> I feel like we're sort of saying the same thing. I feel yeah. as I address that it was a misnomer to call it white privilege. It mm -hmm. isn't white privilege. Uh, but it still is a privilege, a privilege to be able to go on vacation, a privilege that can and has been earned, but still a privilege nonetheless. It's not a right for people to be able to go on vacation. Many don't get to do that, and it's because they don't or haven't earned that privilege, to which Travis said, maybe we are saying some of the same things in different ways. I'm a listener and at times wish the show wasn't in such a virtual virtue signaling echo chamber like church and other places where our lives intersect, we have different opinions and th see things differently. I was put off enough this time to offer feedback. Love you, Brother Travis. To which I say, thank you for being willing, you know, to, to email, first of all, for caring deeply about it and for calling us out about it. Uh, I would be curious to know, do you feel like there's any anything additionally that as we were sort of talking in and around you, that, that you're like, ah, we need to make sure that this is said. Yes. First of all, Travis makes some very good points mm -hmm. that I definitely agree with. Um, when I look back on the conversation that you and I initially had that sparked this whole interchange, never once did you say white privilege. And I think that that's very important. Oh, to I don't know. Out. I think I did. I think in no, our no. initial conversation, I did not. Mm -mm. Okay. No, you said you realize that you're coming from a place of privilege. Okay, okay. And so I do think that that's very important because I I do take um, I take things like racism very seriously, and sure. I do take any sort of uh, discrimination very seriously. And I feel like that does not fit the conversation. Now, it is important to point out, like you said, that there's there's privilege that can be very negative that oh well you know they're so privileged that they get all of this da 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 da, da. but in our follow up conversation to that it was more let's celebrate people for having some good things happen to them and for having success and it doesn't mean anything less it's just a very interesting conversation to see play out um because I don't feel like white privilege just doesn't fit into this particular conversation. And I'm kind of talking around and Mincy, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm not being very eloquent, but I do want Travis to know that I was not personally bothered or offended by anything that went on in our conversation that apparently rubbed him the wrong way. And that's fine because opinions matter and everybody's entitled to what they experience and how they feel. Um, but I do want I, I do think it's important to point out white privilege is not the topic of conversation as I see it. Does that make sense? And like I said, I'm kind of talking around and not being eloquent, but. Absolutely. Yeah. I, th I think one of the things that, um, you know, I thought more and more about this uh, recently um, 
because we sort of talk about, and this is this is related and completely unrelated. So here we go, sure. tangential. Um, yeah. the, but the idea of the American dream, right, where everyone, mm -hmm. uh, the American dream is to be able to own your own home one day, right? And how, you know, I think they said three out of every four Utahns can't afford the median home in the state of Utah. Can't can't afford it. Mm -hmm. are, are not able to based on the wages of which they are paid. Are not able to afford said home median home price that means average that means middle of the road home price in the state of utah and and i think that sometimes um we we get a little bit uh skewed when we say things well, well it's the american dream almost as is as though it's your right to own a home and and i think it's i think words matter so much in this case as well because yes can you you know bust your hump and and be able to afford a home yes do do some people have greater advantage to be able to do that yes but do, do you you know do you deserve a house 0% is it a privilege that you're able to have a a house yes 100% and and i think that some of some of our discussion too was just sort of tonality. Like I was in this place and now I'm in this place. I yeah. think that that speaks more of, more about people that would take issue with, mm -hmm. oh, must be nice to be her. I think that that speaks more about the person right. that sort of has an issue with that. But I also think it is important knowing the character that you have, you would never want to, as I know you, you'd never want to come across as flaunty. You'd be like, man, I was so grateful. Not I got to all. be with my husband, got to be with my family. Yeah. We didn't always get yeah. to do that. So I, I think that there are several things worth mentioning uh, within that particular thing. And oh, that that were the only thing that someone was talking to you about, <laughs> Megan the Mitch Mitchell. Right. We go to another right. email. Let's do it. Uh, this one uh, from, let's just say it's Jay Harmon. Jay Harmon yes. Witnessary is the... Is, <laughs> Okay, so here we go. Okay. This sent to contactattheculturehall.com. Elder Ballard's name being dragged through the mud? Question mark. <laughs> and he might as well have added, assuming that it's a he, might as well have added an exclamation point. You both expressed Absolutely. that essentially, maybe the bad news about Elder Ballard, the man and not the calling, can be laid to rest. And Megan said, Elder Ballard's name being dragged through the mud. Folks, come on. You can see the connections and you can, at the very least, see the associations and pictures of Ballard's together with several of the high net worth individuals that Elder Ballard was influencing towards the efforts of Tim Ballard and OUR. It could be seriously shown, oh, it could seriously be shown and at least argued that Elder Ballard created the mud and was the mud many times at events, in conversations, in influence. It's not supposed, it is in evidences being played out and goes on. You are complicit. You aid these things to happen with your blind obedience and saying such praising and blinded things about a person like Elder Ballard that has also been complicit. This complicity is, capitalized, is how the bad Mormon news can actually be told. It's people that can't even see the news for what it is as they deliver it with rose-colored glasses. Spectacles, if you like. Come on! Disappointed listening today. You all make the bad happen by complicity in so many ways. You contribute to the fantasy of the chosen and inspired, and then it begins anew 
the next bad news moment for your tribe. What say you, Megan the Mitch? Um, I say a lot. Okay. So maybe not. I don't know. But this, I feel like maybe this person writing maybe has some misplaced frustration and anger and disgruntledness to start with. I also say that, um, sorry, I'm trying to get all of my words together. Okay. I I firmly believe that apostles and prophets are men who have been called of God. They are imperfect, and that is how it has always been. I was actually thinking about this when I was driving home from running some errands today, that we would very much like to hold all of the Latter-day Prophets and Apostles to a very specific standard. I don't think that that's necessarily wrong. But there is plenty of evidence in the Bible, in the Book of Mormon, of prophets who were less than perfect. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. Moses had moments that he probably regretted, you know, and Lehi murmured against God. Like, you have mortal men who do things that are wrong, okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's most likely unintentional. I mean, I would say overwhelmingly unintentional. You would certainly hope to, hopefully unintentional, right? Exactly. And I also, I do believe that here on the cultural hall, we don't shy away from criticisms. We really don't. Mm -hmm. But it's also criticism that is placed like in the right uh, direction. I mean, I don't have a problem with Elder Ballard having an association with Tim Ballard before he knew that there was anything nefarious going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I don't take issue with that. And um, I mean, like I said, you and I were kind of corresponding offline about that or off the air about this um, when the email first came. And I'm like, I have pictures of myself with Tim Ballard. Mm-hmm. I made donations to Operation Underground Railroad. I told people that they should affiliate with the organization that they should donate, that they should, you know, take up the cause. And it's because I didn't know that there was anything icky going on. Had I Mm -hmm. known, I would not have placed my affiliation in that direction. And I really believe the same for Elder Ballard. The fact that he's an apostle, I feel like is only relevant to the story in as much as he is an apostle for the church that Tim Ballard belongs to. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't believe that the spirit of discernment should have been the thing that told Elder Ballard to not affiliate. You know, I just don't, that's not that's just not how I understand it all to work. Mm-hmm. And um, I I feel like, like I said, I feel like maybe this listener has some misplaced anger and frustration because I don't know how we are considered complicit in bad things, you know, people making bad decisions. Right. That's not right. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's just all very confusing to me, the yes. issue that this person has. So so I went back through the email, and this is how I'd just like to address it. I'll address it pretty quick. Uh, okay, so Elder Elder Ballard's name being drugged through the mud. Okay. I mean, I get that. I, 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 some validity maybe, right? I mean, he certainly did some of the things. I'll address some of those in a minute. So, uh, you know, was it, it drugged through the mud? Uh, maybe it was. And, and 
did he maybe deserve some of that? I would actually be willing to go as far as to say a little bit. Sure. But but okay. here is but here is the leniency that I would allow that because we do know that Elder Ballard did in fact introduce Tim Ballard to some wealthy people. Russ Brunson, sure. previous guest of the Culture Hall, good friend of mine, uh, and and uh, and others, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we know that they that he did that. Um, to your point, um, it is a leap and not proven at this point that Elder Ballard knew what Tim Ballard was doing and said, hey, I know he's doing this. I would like to introduce you to, uh, you know, my, my, these wealthy acquaintances that I have. As others have pointed out, and, and this is something I actually don't know how I feel about it, um, should apostles be uh, power brokers, introducers of prominent people to other people? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, in the business world, if you were Ryan Smith, owner of the Utah Jazz, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, if someone came to him and said, hey, do you know um, in, uh, uh, a uh, a woman that is in charge of an organization that used to own the jazz that would be interested in helping out this cause that we know Gail Miller is uh, involved with, could you introduce me? If Ryan felt that person worthy of an introduction, that's how business works. Right. Apostles are not businessmen. And that's where I start to go. I don't know that I love the idea of like, hey, because for whatever it is or whatever it actually isn't, there is a thing when if you are involved with a particular organization, you back an organization, you are an organization, you are a thought processes, you are a content creator, whatever, when you are visibly seen with a hierarchical member of the church, whether or not that person supports your cause, believes your cause, knows even what your cause is, people can make the claim the church endorses because so-and-so was with so-and-so. And so that for me is at least where I kind of go, yeah, maybe I don't like this so much. Yeah, You know, maybe I would prefer that that is not uh, the case, that something like that would occur. But but I don't think, to your point, you know, everything certainly public facing that I know about Elder Ballard's character and certainly with the condemnation that he put forth from the church along with others, I can't imagine that he was like, well, you know, listen, I know you're trying to get women to sleep with you. So let me introduce you to my friend, Russ Brunson. Exactly. Like that's such a stretch. And I right. think that some people have made that sort of leap, like, oh, he totally knew. Of course, how couldn't he not have known? Of course. Right. And, and I, but I don't, I don't know how I feel about the introductions and, and solely because I, I feel like, you know, um, and, and the case can always be made that like those introduction, uh, introductions can be made for good. You know, if OUR was doing what they said they were doing, of course, Elder Ballard would have been on board with that. We wouldn't have be having this conversation right. if there hadn't been anything, you know, wrong going on within that. And so yeah. are those are those introductions beneficial? Yes. I don't know that I love it, but but that part of that whole thing, the me being complicit is where I think this guy's just grabbing for stuff. It's like, listen, I, yeah. I didn't ever donate to OUR. Uh, I 
I feel like we have been very fair about the story and in recognizing what we know and what we don't know. And so for us to say, you know what, I bet this was hard on Elder Ballard in the last few months of his life to have to go through something like that. And we phrased it as dragged through the mud. Okay, we could have used better words, different words, but that by no means is like, (laughs) I'm complicit in this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the anger that you have towards that particular thing. And I think that you have a right to be. Maybe you know something I don't know. Maybe just the power-broking introduction is something that you find icky and and you find that more icky than me. That's fine. But I, I, uh, I reject completely out of hand the idea that I am complicit and the reason why this continues to happen and that somehow this is in any way my fault, especially since all throughout the story with you and with other people, we have said, what, why, why, what, what, no. What are we talking about? Why is this a thing? Yeah. Well, and, and the fact that, that, uh, you know, that had occurred that we, anyway, I, there is no, the church is not a hundred percent right on this. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not, I I think that there were mistakes that were made. I think that that's why the church ultimately had to say, we, or not this. Yeah, yeah. this Nothing. Is, we yeah. disavowed this because they had to clear the water as far as that goes. So right. I appreciate it, uh, Jay Harmony, Witnessary, whatever. The, so there's that. How about some... Can, I, can I... Please. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to just make one tiny little point, you know, to your point about power broking and introductions, okay? Mm-hmm. And this might be, people might say it's a stretch and that's fine. Um, it's a it stretch will. and that's fine. It's a stretch. Go ahead. And it might be, but let's say somebody came to, um, I don't know, President Nelson and mm-hmm. said, I have, uh, I'm in need of a doctor, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, people, do you know somebody who's a really great doctor who could help me with this problem? And I, I think President Nelson would be like, no, but say he were to recommend somebody to a member of the church. And then that doctor maybe doesn't practice at their best at the time. And then something terrible happens. Would we then hold president Nelson accountable for that? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm asking? I mean, like, I I get what you're saying about the power brokering and the, the introductions and like at the very, very least there needs to be care taken with how those things are handled. But it's just interesting to me that like, you know, some like, Hey, Russ, I happen to know this guy who's working yeah. on this thing. You should connect. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, the, o- the only thing that I, I say that we can't be naive about is that I would assume, I, mean, I haven't asked him, I should ask him if he'd be willing to come on and talk a little bit about this. Um, but I would assume that there is some sort of, and this is why members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get themselves into such trouble with affinity fraud. I would I, I would assume that on some level, Russ probably was like, oh, friend of Ballard's? Sure, it's got to be all right. Yeah. Yeah. And and that and that is maybe the part that I don't like about it, right? Hey, do you have yeah. do you know a good house cleaner is a little bit different than, you know, I want you to very intentionally meet this friend. And 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 we'll continue to find out more of what he knew and didn't know and and at what times they knew and And I think ultimately we'll find out a little bit more about like what was the straw that broke Elder Ballard's back that was like, we have got to disagree about this. So 
So there's that. Uh, this, a quick one, Ann Vance, she emails in and says, I'm looking for the name of the Facebook group that you mentioned in a recent episode about temples that rotates through the meeting houses throughout the world. I think I understood that correctly. Uh, thanks so much if you can help me out. So this is the thing that Corey K. Ward, the Pharaoh himself does. You can find it on Facebook. It is called uh, Latter-day Saint Chapels Around the World Daily. And this is just a, a passion project that he does. I've decided I'm not going to call him a nerd anymore, even though <laughs> I may feel that way. Now, look what I've done. I've done the same thing. He's I've, just very I've, passionate. He's very passionate about it. I love that he does it. Shows a chapel from around the world. I think he does it Monday through Friday. You can find it. Uh, so Anne and anyone else, it is Latter-day Saint chapels around the world daily. So there's that. Uh, other things awesome. that we should do. We're going to get to the book club and that will be the last thing, but I did want to share this. We have asked people multiple times and uh, people don't do it uh, to leave a review of the cultural hall. And uh, Jolene did that. I'm assuming her name is Jolene because it's Jolene is what her handle is. She says, great show in podcast form. I always look forward to the new episodes. Articles of news are my favorite, but I enjoy all of them. I've been listening since the 80s. No, not the years, but episode 83 to be exact, which uh, I looked up. That's when we had um, Major League Baseball player John Buck into the Cultural Hall. I think that was like Christmas Eve morning or something like that. He came to my house and sat at my kitchen table. Um, but oh that's gosh. episode 83, if people want to go back and listen to. She then says, I went back and listened to them all so I can say that I've been here from the beginning, a lifer. I enjoy and admire Richie's interviewing skills. I've learned a lot from the guests over the years and have never regretted a minute spent in the cultural hall. So shout out to Jolene and anyone else who would want to leave a review. We really appreciate that. Uh, John B. Wilson writes, is there a complete list somewhere of all the older episodes of the show? I've been listening since a few months before the pandemic and would like to sh check out some of the older stuff. But even on Patreon, it is a mess to figure out which ones I want to start with. John, uh, I would say two things to you. One, let the spirit guide. Uh, but I would really <laughs> tell you, just go back. Uh, Patreon makes it super easy to just start from the beginning. And some of the joy from the beginning is to look at how the church has changed in 12 years. I mean, we did an episode at one point where we talked about how uh, people should be able to get married civilly and then same day go to the temple. And that's different. That's completely different now than how it was when we started this whole thing. So the novelty of going back and listening, that would be the the easiest way. Um, but John, if you would like to be called to make a, a list, I know... Um, we have some things sort of like that. You can find all the episodes at theculturalhall.com, but there is not an online resource of like, this is episode one, this is episode two, this is episode three, unless you just go back and then click through and go episode one, two, three. So, sorry, John, I know that's not helpful. Patreon is how you do it. Become a Patreon saint, patreon.com forward slash theculturalhall. And then we get into the names thing. And you were the one that brought this up, weren't you? Yes, I was. It was yeah. me. It's always me. It's me. Hi, yeah. I'm the problem. It's you. It's so uh, this I, I thought was particularly interesting. And this sort of combines a couple of things. 
David writes, I'll get right to it. Would it be possible to put AON or articles of news in the name of the episodes for those particular episodes? While I try to listen to all episodes, I prioritize the articles of news episodes because I want to be in the know with the latest news. He says, if it matters, I use Downcast to download, manage, and play the episode. Thanks for all your great work over the la- over the years. And then he signs his name, David Dammitz, which I, I just <laughs> love as we now sort of uh, move into the conversation about names, I wonder two things, if it's pronounced Dammitz, and how many members of the church had said, do you know, brother Dangitz? I just wonder right. if he's ever had the young person who's like, you know, brother mm, Dangitz. Uh, brother brother Sh- Darnitz will now yeah, speak to us in sacrament meeting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if that's a thing that has occurred. So I will or say... what was yeah. it like on his mission, Elder Damitz? Yeah. <laughs> it, it's Elder Hells. Demetz. Elder, Elder Hells and Elder Damitz. <laughs> Hells and Damitz. Um, and and you know it's they, that we say it, Hells, and it's actually spelled it's Hales. Hales. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, all to say, uh, as best as I can... Uh, David, I'm starting to put the number of the episode and then if it's an articles of news to do A-O-N as the first letters to try and signify that. And then he goes on to say, here's my contribution besides my last name to the running joke about Utah names. Uh, oh, no, wait, this is maybe a different email. I think it is a different Actually, email. Yeah, I think it is. And so I'm still sorry. topical. I'm, I'm sorry to whomever I don't have your name as I sort of copied and pasted all this stuff. Uh, it says, here's my contribution uh, to the running joke about Utah names. My husband started this medication. When I saw the name, I thought it could definitely fit in the Utah naming world. It's called Brenzavi. B-R-E-N-Z-A-V-V-Y. And uh, then goes on to say, thanks for your enjoyable and uplifting content. So Brenzavi, I don't think there... There's one in my ward, but is there one? There will be. Yeah. It, somebody heard it on the cultural hall. I go, she's nine months pregnant. Doesn't know what to name her kid yet. Brenzavi. Yeah. I figured it out. Brenzavi Mahanrai Christiansen. Um, <laughs> I have to be careful. Quick aside. Uh, people in my ward are listening to the cultural hall now. And I mentioned how I don't feel like I fit in necessarily. Oh, and so I had this conversation on Sunday where it's like, oh, and you don't feel like you fit in? And I'm like, no, do you feel like I fit in? And I thought that was kind of a funny thing. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm a a part member family gentleman who's middle-aged. There's three of us, that alone, not the part member part, but just the middle-aged gentleman, not to mention the part member thing, not to mention the, the liberal thing, not to mention the artistic, you know, you know, that kind of thing. I was like, and you're a ginger. Yeah, yeah. What part of what part of me thinks that I fit in in this world? So that was uncomfortable. I love him, and I appreciate that he would reach out to me. So he'll and un- and undoubtedly hear this and be like, "Was it? It wasn't that weird." I love that you reached out. Uh, I I think it's great. I'm finding my footing here. I love it so very much. Um, well, but- here's the thing: Elders Quorum President is on his computer going dee, 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 dee. new minister assignments for <laughs> Richie Steadman. He's getting our best. <laughs> yeah, yep. Give them, give them to me. Uh, so there's that. And then last thing about names. Uh, this is from Holly Frashay. Frashay. I never get it right. Sorry, Holly. Holly and Justin are 
huge uh, fans of the show. We appreciate them very much. Says, hey, I had some thoughts on episode 737. First, Hidden, a true crime podcast, is one I've been listening to for a few years now, mainly because of Chad and Lori Daybell. I started listening back when that was the only case they had, and it was fascinating. Also, Lauren, the original co-host of the Cultural Hall, she, I, I parenthetically put that in. She does not write that. Is no longer a member, but she tries to be really respectful of the church, mostly. Anyway, the coverage they've done of the Daybell case has been pretty extensive, and they've been interviewed by Dateline because of it. They were also briefly in the latest Netflix documentary, which mostly featured Colby Ryan. One of my coworkers is related to Chad, and we are kind of obsessed. We follow the case and go down all the rabbit holes. And in case you were wondering... We're voting four cameras in the courtroom for Chad's trial. We want to watch him go down. Now, about the weird spelling of names in Utah. If you recall from Valentine's Day when you paid me a visit, which I gave her a singing telegram dressed up as Cupid. That's what she's referencing. Her husband technically gave her the singing telegram. I just delivered said singing telegram. Um <laughs> If you recall from Valentine's Day when you paid me a visit, I work at a school and I see all sorts of weirdness, both in spelling and in the names themselves. Here are some of my true and actual favorites. Riggin, R-I-G-G-I-N. Bailey, B-A-Y-L-E-I-G-H. Raven, R-A-Y-V-Y-N. Crush, K-R-U-S-H. Cruz, K-R-U-Z. Stana or Stana? I don't even know what that name is. Stana. Stana, S T A N A. Avinda. A V I E N D H A. Avinda. Avinda. I don't know. Hope you're having a good day and that you're feeling better. You still sound a little sick. See you, Holly. So that to the naming thing. And then, Holly, I realize I didn't include this in the email. I apologize uh, to you. She sent another email that uh, says, Richie, heck yes to a book group. I'd be happy to help facilitate whatever help you need. I'm part of a book group in my neighborhood, which has been a thing for about nine years. Our group is so much fun, and we really we read really interesting books, ones that a lot of our members would never have picked on their own. We have a pretty good formula for picking books. Let me know if you want to know more. Also, great job with Garrett Dirkmott. He's my neighbor, and his wife sometimes comes to our book group. When Garrett teaches Sunday school, his lessons are amazing. The running joke in our ward is that it doesn't matter what Garrett teaches, his lessons always tie in to Joseph Smith somehow. <laughs> when my brother left the church, he was throwing out all sorts of things as reasons for why he was leaving, some of which I'd never heard anyone say. I texted Garrett's wife and asked if they could come over and answer some questions. They came, and it was great. Garrett knew exactly what my brother had been talking about was able to explain a lot of random stuff that my brother had said, and it was a huge help. Anyway, great interview, and yes, for a book group. So it seems resounding uh, that your idea for the book club, the Cultural Hall Book Club, is going to go. Have you had any further thoughts about said? Um, I, I mainly am wondering, and maybe we can kind of open this up to the people listening, is what is the going to be the best way to like get people on, you know, is it like, do we just allow anybody on to come onto the zoom? We send out the link and then we have like 30 people. Do we keep it more like there's four or five and maybe there's like a drawing, like a contest or something, sure. or sure. like, I, I would love to know people's thoughts on that because I 
have participated in book clubs before, but certainly never virtually, you know, or like on a Zoom discussion or something like that. Um, I also have thought that this would be a really amazing opportunity to maybe promote up and coming authors mm -hmm. who maybe don't get as much of a, a showcase as people who are more established. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have a couple of co-hosts and former um, guests who I think would be awesome to have them on as we read their book, they mm -hmm. can actually help drive the discussion or sure. be a part of the discussion. So yeah. those are just kind of my thoughts. Maybe we yeah. need a whole other Facebook group for it for people who want to participate. I don't know. Yeah, could be. I don't know. Contact at theculturalhall.com is where people can send their emails, their feedback, their input as far as that goes. Uh, I think probably uh, we're probably at least at the beginning every other month or so as we look for like timing to do something like this. My thoughts as well. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of being able to speak to the author. The questions that I have is, you know, do we want it to all be uh, either like uh, uh, like nonfiction? I guess that's not really the word I'm talking about. But like, is it are we reading like, um, you know, Annette writes, uh, though, very research and those things, fictionalized books mm -hmm. and as a member of the church? Are we talking about that kind of stuff or are we? You know, are we doing like Richard Bushman's Rough Stone Rolling? You know, is it is it that so, kind of stuff or is it? I think we do a selection personally because mm -hmm. there's there's books that would come up where I'd be like, oh, I really want to read that. And that's mm -hmm. really good motivation for me to get the book and read it or listen to it on Audible. And then there's other books where I'm like, nah, I'm not really into that. But there is a group of people who will be, you yeah. know, and so yeah. and and like I think about, you know, there's books about Latter-day Saints that are not directed to Latter-day Saints, that are not written by Latter-day Saints, but are still very, you know, good. I think uh, about the book by um, autobiography of Orrin Hatch. Um, sure. You know, that would be a really interesting read. It's not sold by Desert Book, you know, that I know of, you know, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of different directions, but also we can kind of say, like, maybe we'll alternate. Maybe it's fiction one month, maybe it's nonfiction the next, maybe, mm -hmm. and then we kind of flip-flop back and forth. Um, so yeah, I, I would personally love to see a mix of okay. the types of books that we select. Contact at theculturalhall.com would love the feedback and input about that, about anything else that we talked about today, anything that you'd like to weigh in on, know that, of course, uh, we will be sharing those emails unless you say, please don't share my email. This is private. Keep it to yourself. Don't tell everyone about what our correspondence is, etc. Devaney Brandon is who uh, who sent the email about the Bresnavi. So sorry about that. I didn't have the name before, and that just popped up. Devaney, Devaney. Okay, I think. How's that spelled? D, D E. That's what I was just noticing. <laughs> D E V O N E Y. Devaney, I would presume, but Devoney maybe. Devaney. Devani. Devani could be. Could be any of those. Uh, you know, it's a shame that I'm not bringing kids into this world because I would straight up just like umlaut and emoticon, emoji. I would all that in the kid's legal name just to mess and around. Then, and then call him Ben. Steve. <laughs> well, and Steve. Here's the thing. I mean, I want to talk. You know my oldest daughter's name. Sure. Um, that's more common. Siobhan, Siobhan, but it's spelled like 
I would it's read it and go, bananas. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's just, but I do maintain it's a name that's from my culture that is spelled correctly according to that culture. So no guilt. Yeah. So, but, so that's not the thing that's, that is not what we're talking about. This is no, I know. a little letter from over here and uh, something from yes. over here. And I want them to be the only, you know, Bryn Levinson in their <laughs> class. So we'll spell it with an E like we're Swedish and, you know, grandma's maiden name was Sven. So, you know, like it's just yeah. a grab bag of what a grab yes. bag of what, exactly. uh, all right. We have uh, we've gone almost a full episode just in business Sorry of the cold raw. That. Ah, it's good. A lot going on. We don't do this very often. Uh, make those reviews. Send those emails. Contact at thecoldraw.com. Uh, back with more news in a second block, and even more news if I do this the way that I'd like to in a third block of the cultural hall. Best DJ in Utah.com. You're right. It's a new ad. What? Well, it's been an entire season since I've recorded a best DJ in Utah.com ad. And well, the wedding season coming to an end at this point, but not really because what happens now is everyone who's going to get married in 2024 reaches out and says, Richie, is it possible? Do you still have this date? And I tell them, yes, hopefully. And then we get you booked. We'd love to be able to work with you. Uh, travel all along the Intermountain West. Some people call it the Jello Belt. Uh, you can go to bestdjinutah.com to request a quote. You can find us on any of the social medias at Best DJ in Utah. And uh, we can answer any questions. Affordable? Yes. Over 400 five-star reviews? Yes. Highest rated in the state of Utah? Uh-huh. Go on. It's bestdjinutah.com, and I'll give you a little hint. It also helps me to be able to do this, like financially support the cultural hall through that, and you get something in return. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop, and they start at only $29 a month. Here in the second block of the cultural hall, as we get right into articles of news, hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. And away we go. Now, uh, this whole block of news is going to be happy or happy adjacent news. Uh, and who is the happiest person in the cultural hall? Not, not Mr. Mayor, but that's who we could get. Welcome, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Teasing. What do you mean? I'm happy. I'm most. Would happy. you say you're the happiest of all the uh, co-hosts of the cultural hall? I wouldn't say that. No, I would. I, yeah. I would. I'd say that's Megan. <laughs> yeah, Megan, maybe or or Janae. Janae and I. Janae. Oh, Janae. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, to totally. And you know, and and in her own way, Annette is uh, pretty happy too. So maybe I'm the lowest. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm below you. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. you're pretty loathsome. Pretty, uh, pretty sad. Yeah. You're pretty sad. Bottom but of the not at yeah, the bottom of the heap. Yep, yep. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh so we get right into all the news. I sent you several happy stories and said, uh, yeah, you go ahead and pick which ones. And you're like, I'm on it. And then I never heard I from never sent a setback. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and uh you take whatever one you would like to do first, and we'll just go back and forth till we make it through the week's worth of happy news. I'll I'll take a homegrown one here. Um, all right. So uh, the Missionaries for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is the Mormon church, I guess mm -hmm. a lot of people call it. That's what yes. we, this podcast is about. Anyway, the missionaries in Texas, the Houston East Mission, helped pack more than 10,000 meals for children in need during a Thanksgiving service project. The meals were distributed by Kids Kid Meals, a nonprofit organization that delivers free, healthy food to preschool age children living in poverty i just love this i you know part of me wanted to know 
wanted to know, you know, these missionaries are trying to feed the hungry more than just, you know, giving out the bread of life. Ah, you know? I'm wondering now if did they sneak in Book of Mormons into all the packages? I would say no, because can you imagine how much trouble the church would get in if they're sneaking <laughs> yeah. in? Things like that. I'll tell you though, there's missionaries from my mission that I wouldn't put that past them. Sure. Those are the same missionaries that like in my mission when we're like, hey, can we use your restroom? They'd go in, you know, we'd use the restroom and we'd lead to a, a tract on the back of the toilet or something like that. Yeah. And just be like, guys, we're mis- this is not, they were being kind to let us use their toilet. Yeah. This wasn't a way to leave a Book of Mormon. And, and, and I can't imagine any of those really working. Everyone's trying to do the whole, uh, you, you ever see the movie How Rare is Possession? Of course. Yeah. That, you know, where he finds the Book of Mormon without the title no cover. page. The had cover no had cover. <laughs> and he, he taught that for all of sure. his life and finally joined. That's what they're trying to hope. And and truthfully, though it's an exception, not a rule. Yes. But, I, you know, uh, to, to that point, I'm sure that a time someone looked at the tract and went, okay, all right, I'll read Maybe. this. I'll check this out. I'm, I'm sure a time. Maybe. Unfortunately, the thousands of other times where people were offended that someone came into their home and placed that thing without their permission just because they were trying to be kind, I don't think it weighs out exactly, but we yeah. sometimes focus on, unfortunately, the one and feel like we're focusing on the one, whereas it's not really focusing on the one. I ha- In Australia, the, the big thing was, oh, can I get a glass of water? And then mm-hmm. to try to keep them at the door to keep them talking, which, right. you know, we drink a glass of water at every door for the last five doors but mm-hmm. you know that was it i feel like if you have to go move down to those kinds of things you're not really doing your work as a missionary you're just that was really a thing that was like taught for you guys to do no oh it okay. just was pat it was it was not the not taught but the missionaries would taught each other yeah, yeah 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 no man if i could go back hi we're sharing a message we're not interested great next door move on by the end of my mission, I was basically doing that. But then I took it a little too far. Like I would like do things like, well, they have incense outside outside of the house. They're Buddhist. I won't even talk to them. <laughs> oh, go. So then you, you know, started I, to I, rule people out. Yeah, I started to do that kind of stuff. But I was just more trying to be efficient in my Mr. brain. In my brain. Mr. Mayor. As an adult, I don't I don't believe that at all, but that's what my brain thought back sure. then. Sure. Well, I spend I'll, the time. I'll piggyback onto that. Uh, missionaries at the Provo MTC in connection with Hunger Fight, uh, they put together um, 409,248 meals. Uh, and that were those are going to be distributed throughout Utah by the Utah Food Bank, said President Kevin Calderwood, president of the Provo Missionary Training Center. They do a huge thing there at the uh, Provo MTC. I think it was Elder Renland, I want to say, that came in, uh, did a, a big... Um, sort of devotional for the folks, the missionaries that are, you know, likely their first time away from home, uh, did the big thing. And then, oh, no, it was Elder Rasband, devotional message from Elder Rasband. And then they put together all these meals. And the uh, hunger fight, uh, they do this thing called Feed the Backpacks, which is um, because kids, especially here in Utah, they have a program where you get food throughout the week when you go to school, right? You can go and get breakfast before school and then you get lunch at school. And so then feasibly the thought is hopefully parents can be able to provide dinner. Well, they feed the backpacks is a program where uh, each student gets a backpack. And then on Friday, when you leave school, you get food in that backpack that will sustain you throughout the weekend. And so that's what they stuffed there. 
in that's uh, a great that's a great initiative in Provo. cool it's a super cool thing i love that they do that kind of stuff i love i love christmas season because you get a lot of these kinds of stories right yeah the opportunity to serve do you do you and your uh your spouse do anything service oriented around the holidays oh we do we we always take take part in the whole um uh, like you know paying for someone's christmas like you know they have a christmas tree at our ward and you kind of you don't know who it is. You take it, and they say you have a kid that's this age and a kid that's this. And they age need like and pajamas, yeah. and they need like yeah, a yeah, and, we'll, and stuff we'll like do, that. Okay. We'll definitely do that. And then there's always something less formal um, that we'll we'll do. Um, it, it's very much part of part of it. And then one of my favorite Christmases, um, and I haven't done this for a while because I'm I'm too I too I want too many things for myself. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite Christmases was I, I I said to Christy, I'm like, hey, let's get our budget done. And when we got figured out what our budget for each person was, okay, here's what we're gonna spend for Christmas. I said, okay, I take that budget and I want to use I want to use all that budget towards helping other people. And so that was my Christmas gift that year was oh, literally that's cool. no Christmas. And I did that multiple times and I loved it. But I haven't done it for a few years just because you want. Some I like stuff. stuff. I like yeah, stuff. Sure. But anyway, but it was it was really. Um, and another thing we did one year was um, we each we each said, "Hey, here's fifty bucks." We gave each other fifty bucks. I think it was fifty bucks. We'll just say fifty bucks because I can't for the sake of this. Sure, really. sure. And and um, the idea was find someone who needed it and who we could give to, and you had till Christmas Eve. So it was like started on December fifteenth. And I remember it was, it ended up being one of those really busy years. And I was like, Christmas Eve, I'm like praying I need to find someone because I didn't want to just, just like, here you go, hand it yeah, to here's I needed 15, to find man. someone, yeah. find someone who, who really um, uh, needed it. Or I, I, you know, kind of wanted to make sure that it got to the right hands and I was directed to it. And, and I, and I finally was led to uh, a, a family in the ward. And anyway, um, it was it was a really great experience, simply partly because, you know, some of it was that I I, I couldn't find anyone. I like mm-hmm. some of it was I was really busy and everything else. But I'm like, so I was down to wire nearly in tears, right? Trying to find someone. And it was a really good Christmas Eve that way. That was that's really cool. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, I like that kind of thing. So I have made uh, the decision in the last little bit that whenever like the stake or ward needs something, hey, we need donations for I've just decided I'm going to start doing it. I used to be like, ah, oh, I don't know, and then I have to, but like they did, uh, we need uh, canned corn and beans and um, gravy packets for Thanksgiving, and I just was like, I go to the grocery store, yeah. I can do that. It's usually not that much extra no, to do, no. like you're already doing, going to grocery store for something, just like, okay, take that and add it to my list, and you know, it's usually small things, that a, small, a bunch of small things together can be, bring it together. I think... Um, like I've been, I, there's three books I read every year. I I prompted the Book of Mormon, of, the Bible. Nope. What's the third one? No, nope. every every Christmas. Ah, <laughs> uh, got and it. And it's actually I got this from President. He doesn't Monson. read the Book of Mormon every from Thanksgiving to December. Got it. That's fine. No, nope, interesting Christmas choice. Carol. Okay, Christmas Carol is a big one. Okay, everyone, you know. Um, but the other one, uh, uh, Luke two is the other one. Of course, okay. everyone reads that. Sure. But then the last one is a book called The Mansion. By um, I think it's O. Henry, but I could be wrong on that. But I pretty um, anyway, or it's Henry Van Dyke. It's either O. Henry or Henry Van Dyke. One of those. It's things. either a candy bar or anyway. Yep. So just I just reread it, and if you don't, if you haven't read that, read that this year because 
the idea of of giving to get the reward which th- there is a value that's a story about that it's like it's like the opposite character to scrooge which is why it's nice to have kind of both henry van dyke henry van dyke and you can get, a, you can get a, john whiteman for four dollars and 91 cents right now it's a gift, it's gift a of the wonderful mansion. book get it on kindle get it on amazon it's really good john whiteman is like the opposite to um scrooge he's giving he gives he's really wealthy and he does give but he only gives when it's a value to him like you know he'll put his name on a wing of a hospital or mm. you know but it only gets the value in return don't spoil and it i'm are not you, no 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 that's spoil just the, the ending no no the the ending is is one of the i mean it's 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 akin to a christmas carol you're spoil it i'm three not ghosts. i'm not giving three it, ghosts just, come to to three ghosts do not come but great I mean, now yeah, you spoiled it i didn't know that three ghosts were coming and now you've <laughs> spoiled it yeah, three ghosts do come. Now I've spoiled uh, it again. Spoiled <laughs> <it>. <laughs> anyway, read that book and this idea of giving, giving for the benefit of giving and not for the reward of other people knowing and stuff is 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 the theme of the book. It's it really always sets the tone for my Christmas season each year. Okay. All right. I'll take that recommendation. People can find the link to that in the show notes. I'm going to talk about the first presidency message, and then you are going to talk about all the ways that people can enjoy Christmas at Temple Square. So okay. that's where we're Sounds going. Great. Uh, the first presidency message may be my favorite uh, thing. Now, uh, here, admittedly, ever since President Monson passed, I don't think I've watched the first presidency message because I really loved, and people will resonate with this, how President Monson was a storyteller. And I really loved the- He was so good at that. The Christmas stories that he would tell. But President Nelson, President Oaks, and President Iring on the uh, 3rd of December, it's at 6 p.m. You can see it on the BYU uh, TV. You can see it on satellite. You can watch it online on the church's YouTube. You can listen to it on the radio in some places. You can find it literally everywhere, or you could attend in person. Uh, They, along with the Tabernacle Choir and the orchestra at Temple Square, uh, do a Christmas devotional. It usually ends up being about an hour long, and you can actually read what their uh, message is right now uh, online, but it's great to be able to, to see this. And for me, it is what um, certifiably like kicks off the holiday season. Sort of Thanksgiving does it. Then we get a little bit of snow and that's it. But it isn't really until the uh, first presidency's you know, Christmas devotional that I go, okay, we're in the holiday season. And it's great. And the best part is, is it's a great time that if you have those in your life that maybe aren't... Um, you know, members of the church, or they aren't like, uh, you know, maybe they're a little inactive, or maybe it's not their jam right now, or maybe they made different, like, it's enough, it's enough, uh, like Christ enough that you're like, oh, this is Christmas, but it's not like, take this, and here's a jam, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not so heavy handed, yeah. it's just, it's always really great, the messages, and the music is always so phenomenal. So that's coming. Yeah, it's one up. of my favorite things every year. And I always, and lately I've had to miss it live. I always have to watch it back because every year we have an interfaith um, Christmas choir that I'm part mm-hmm. of. And so I will be there for it live, but I'll be watching it later the same evening. So. so that's the 3rd of December and people can check that out. All right. What's going on on Temple Square? It's still under construction. So what can I enjoy this holiday season? You can't do anything. It's all under construction. You can't go there at all. Spoiler. So 
So they didn't have a formal lighting ceremony, but there still is light. So you can go and you can see some lights and you can see, and, and they're, they're kind of trying to step up some of the other things going on. Like for instance, they they're having these uh, uh, Temple Square concerts. So one was on the 24th, right? Um, um, and that was already passed. So I won't go into that. You can look that up if you want to, but they're having daily concerts by local choirs. So 40 minute performances are open to the public from uh, the 25th, which was yesterday to December 23rd. So, and there are places like the city Creek center out by the giving, giving machines. Um, by the way, I'm going to try to get there this year. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be in Utah on the, we get there on the 14th, 15th, 14th. Great. And leave on the 18th. So I'll meet you. We'll I'll to... meet you at a giving machine and we'll buy a goat okay, we'll, together. We'll, we'll buy a, we'll buy that. Let's do that. Let's buy I'm, a goat. I, I just said it. Okay. We're yeah, going to do done. it. We're going to buy a goat. Uh, uh, there, some of the other places you can go, the conference center lobby. Uh, that's where you can see some of these choirs, the conference, uh, the church history museum auditorium. And of course the tabernacle, there's going to be um, so, so all these, these midday concerts are from 1245 to 130. Uh, so if you want to go there, um, and those are the, the, those are the ones in the, in the tabernacle and you can actually yeah. watch those daily. You can watch the whole thing. They're going to be live streamed from the tabernacle daily. Uh, oh, that's good. On YouTube? I don't think it's weekends. I think it's just Monday through Friday, 1245 to 130 p.m. It's a lot of like the high schools in Utah. They have a lot of community choirs. It's not necessarily all LDS, obviously, because it's. I remember doing that when we were in high school. We always loved that going to sing on Temple Square. So, so you can infuse uh, the Christmas spirit through music through those things. If you are interested in focusing on traditions around the world, the Church History Museum, beginning November 20th, which was, again, in the already past. going on in the past, but we'll, um, uh, we just finished Christmas in North America. That ended yesterday, but they are going to be focusing on different um, traditions, uh, um, worldwide traditions. So December 27th to the 2nd is Christmas in Central and South America, if you want to uh, go learn about that. Um, December 4th through the 9th is Christmas in Asia and the Pacific Islands. 11th through 16th is Christmas in Africa and the Mediterranean. 18th through 23rd is Christmas in Europe. That would be fun. And that's what I'm going to just miss that. I will be there for Africa and Mediterranean. And then December 27th through 30th is Christmas in Australia and New Zealand. And I know that very well since that's where I went on my mission. So there you go. Um, there'll be uh, some international nativities and this will be on the plaza outside the church office building from november 26th to the 31st of december and there's a christmas around the world display this display showcases christmas foods and traditions from different countries and that's visit going from this november 27th through the december 31st at the family search library so uh, a lot of different places to do that. and of course and of course of course we've already talked about it the giving machines. The giving machines are a big deal. So we're going to go buy a goat. You go buy whatever you want to get. Buy whatever you want. We're not going to tell you. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. And then, of course, if you have the tickets, if you have them and you want to go, your Christmas with the Tabernacle Choir on Temple Square. It's a big deal this year. Um, always a big deal. Um, anyway. Lots of fun that way. And then if you want to watch them on BYU TV, you can watch last year's um, with Leia Salaga. So this year is with Michael Malakal and Leslie Nicole, which I'm not sure who either one of those people are. They're Broadway. So, they're they're Broadway. Broadway people. 
Yep. All right. Well, anyway, that the bell choir. So the bell choir, the bell choir is a big deal, except for it was canceled this year. But I gotta was, think they're gonna do it again. No, are we? No, done? they're not. They've 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 uh, shut it down. They're gonna do a spring concert. I okay. Um, I talked to my mom, who of course is the sister of the director of that. She said my aunt Leanna is ve- definitely disappointed, but understands that they had to cancel it due to um, President Ballard's funeral. It was the same day as the funeral, I believe, or something like that. Something happened because of the funeral that they had to cancel the bell choir which was just prior to Thanksgiving. And so they're just not redoing it. So it's just, there's just too many, too much in the schedule that they couldn't reschedule it. So they'll just be that much more excited to do it in the springtime. So make sure you, yeah. Make, so if you know someone in the bell choir, if you like that, send them a message of encouragement, because I'm sure they were happy to do it because it's a big deal to have a, you know, president Ballard pass away and have his funeral. However, they worked all fall for that I can't imagine. I can't perform. imagine doing that. You know what I'm saying? I yeah, remember it's one hard. time in high school. I was in a play, and the the play actually ended up being the the district was like, "You guys can't do that play. We can't put it on." And we're like, "Come on!" What play was it? What play was it? It's a it's a show called Play It Again, Sam. It's based on uh, it's a Woody Allen play. Actually, oh, I know that one. Okay, yeah. yeah, and uh, and so we were like, "Content yeah, was it? it?" They shut you down from content. Yeah. Shut shut us down for content, and we're like, "Come on, we've been working on this for months." And the deal that they finally struck with it was we could invite family and friends for one night performing only. We couldn't open it up to other people. Oh, but we got nice. to perform it one time. The bell choir didn't even get to perform one time. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, they, it's it is sad. And though, I, I've been to their rehearsals before, and they work really hard. They're they're really they really do a good job in the bell choir. Uh, um adds a lot to it hopefully they'll be able to perform with the the tabernacle choir which sometimes they do depending on kind of what what's going on they usually perform with the tabernacle choir at christmas but i don't know this year you don't know or not you don't know so we'll we'll i bet they do i bet they do but you don't know but it probably won't be everything they were working on they won't they'll have they had a whole concert yeah they're not gonna although i'd love the idea of them being like and now we turn it over to the bell choir to do their entire concert thank you everyone have a good night and I'm not trying to be insensitive to my aunt, but she's not young, and and but you know she's just—it's amazing how she still gets up and just just goes every year. Yeah. So you know, but she's old enough that like I think will this be her last one? Wouldn't that suck if this was the last Christmas concert and she wasn't able to do it? And anyway, you never know. It would. I'm suck. not saying this is her last, but can't I can't believe you're telling her it's her last Christmas, Andrew. Come I'm... on. <laughs> Aunt Leanna, I hope it's not your last. Are you Christmas. the ghost of I'm Christmas saying, future? Spoiler I alert! I know I'm a spoiler all over the place today. Anyway. Uh, also worth noting that music in the spoken word will not be uh, held live on the 24th of December or on the 31st of December because those are Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, respectively. Are you guys doing anything interesting in your church on Christmas Eve? Or? Uh, going for an hour, just going. Just go. I don't know if they're going to be. Like I think there will be music. I'm sure, and I think the bishop will speak. That's how. Yeah, I that's exactly what we. That's exactly what we're doing. I'm singing. Uh, another group is singing, and the bishop will speak, and then he's like, and then we're. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. So we'll go, go be with our second. families. Uh, yeah. A shift in uh, a news article. This came out this last week. Former member of the faith's provide presiding bishop Brick uh, to retire December first. This of course is Keith McMullen. Um, he has been the CEO of DMC, which is Deseret Management Corporation, uh, and uh, they announced that uh, my old boss, 
Jeff Simpson, when I was working at the BYU Broadcasting, he will now step into Keith McMullen's position. And as I understand it, he is going to be uh, the um, CEO of Deseret Management Corporation and continue to be the managing director of BYU Broadcasting. Wow. So Was uh, he good to work with? Yeah, he was all right. I mean, here's what I got to know about him. He came in and changed up a, bu- a bunch of things, and I said, no, thanks, I'm out. <laughs> so, you didn't really spend yeah, too much time yeah, there. I mean, so, he, uh, so he's a, not going to make you the, the general podcaster for the church? Yeah, no, he will not be doing that. He, <laughs> he had an opportunity to do something even adjacent to that, and he decided not to do that. So I'm not sure how really involved he was in the day-to-day on that kind of stuff, but Came in like a lot of CEOs do and go, what's the situation like right here? I'm going to change this up. And so, you know, you may see some of those uh, there at uh, Deseret Management Corporation. That's, of course, the Deseret News and the Deseret Magazine. That is uh, KSL and its affiliate broadcasters, radio stations, not only in Utah, but along the West Coast and in the Intermountain West. So interesting to uh to see that that's gone on uh elder mcmullen uh bishop mcmullen 81 years old so they're like good take a break take a break keith Be enjoy, done. enjoy those later years and i think jeff simpson probably somewhere between 50 and 60 years old so a lot of youth in that position for a long time so uh where would you like to go next with these news stories? i'm gonna bring it back Happiness. to christmas christmas stuff all the right annual fine. light the world initiative um, okay so that's that's been running this year there has a a new theme can you guess what the theme is oh you already know it. you um it's the, the theme song. is da, 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 you know it's let your light shine. from from the uh 60s right that your light shine. Oh, no, that's not that's let Aquarius. Let the sun shine in. Let like, your okay, light you can change the words that shine. way. <laughs> it's from Forrest Gump. Yeah, it's from Forrest Gump, not yes. hair. Not the nope. not the musical where they yeah, get nope, naked on stage. Nope, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> the church has adopted the theme song from the musical Hair as their like the world. Yeah, wouldn't campaign. that be quite the quite the different? Anyway, um, so let your light shine is that it, it's the typically the in the past it's been like this daily initiative. They're kind of taking a different spin on it this year, where it's it, it's not like a daily thing. I think you can still get your daily updates if you would like to sign up for them. Uh, you can do it through WhatsApp, by the way, if this year if you want to, and also through text. So if you go to the the website for uh, the let your light uh, for what the the light your light world. The world. Um, you can you can sign up for those and they'll give you it. But then they 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 kind of broaden it out because some people maybe don't do it every day. Maybe it's a little taxing for them to feel like they can do something every day. So you can plan your month differently um, this year. So they give you a whole bunch of 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 thoughts and options that you can uh, you can choose. So I'm gonna um, so yeah, click over to the Let Your Light, not your Let Your ah, the the Light the World site, and the theme this year is called Let Your Light Shine. Yeah, there will be a link in the show notes, but I just found it by searching it. Um, President Nelson has a quick message. You can sign up for a weekly email. Uh, 50 ideas to share your light, shine a light on others. And then the 25 days of kindness from December 1st to Christmas Day. Uh, Things that you can share on social media, small acts of kindness about how you are letting your light shine. Letting your light shine in. Should we do something on uh, on Culture Hall about that? Like where people can share what they're doing? Maybe I think that'd I be know. a great idea. 
If you want to commit from December 1st you to want me to Christmas do it? Day, yeah, let's do it. Every day. Okay. You take the I'll, do, I'll do a post every day. 7 I do it already post. anyway with my own stuff. I'll do yep. something with yours too. 7 a.m. every day, 1st of December till Christmas. Hey, this is the thing for today and share it. You are now. So you, you listeners start thinking in your head. I'll put some ideas out there. I'll kind of, I might share some things that I'm doing or. If you have um, anything, you know, contact at theculturalhall.com or message us on Facebook. If you have something you've done in the past or you're doing in the future, I'd love to take that into consideration as I'm putting these together. Any idea, 25 days of this is going to take me and I need, I need a lot of help. So please uh, provide some help for me and I'll post every day about it and we can have a, some really good conversations. Well, and here's the cool thing. Like if you don't even want to make it that hard on yourself on this site that I found, which you can find a link in the show notes, it has each of the daily prompts. So like December 1st, who needs your light today? Oh yes, but I'll use those prompts. But what I want is people to kind of share what they've done or if they have oh, different yeah, yeah, ideas yeah. or you know, you what I want to be is a daily conversation. Yeah, yeah, a daily conversation about this. That's what I want to build. And then, the, yeah, there's great. This is awesome. Little quote. Cool. All right. So, yeah, do that. You're in charge. Don't forget. I will do it. I won't. I won't. I'll do it. I'm Otherwise, I will shame thing. you so hard. Oh, I'll, I'll totally do it. 7 a.m. every day. Okay. And you can, the best part is, is if you want to do it in advance, you can, I know. I can, you can just I can schedule it. I can pre-program it. But I'll be paying attention even if they're pre-programmed. So, there it even is. if you know some of them are pre-programmed. Uh, a couple, a couple quick things. Uh, you know, the passing of Elder Ballard uh, is the close of the sixth longest tenured uh, quorum of twelve apostles and first presidency in church history. Uh, they were had all been together for five years, seven months, and thirteen days. Sixth longest in church history. There was a time, I think, in the twenties that it was like ten years and some change. So um, it, it's interesting to note that possibly. Uh, with the calling of the next apostle, which people are saying, by the way, Mr. Mayor, that we won't have to wait until general conference because Elder Ballard passed so soon after mm -hmm. this last general conference. The thought is that we'll get a new apostle before the next Very general likely. conference. But, uh, but we don't know. But we don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Certainly, he won't be sustained until the next general conference. But uh, it's interesting to note a couple of things with that. One that then that swings like the age of the uh, apostleship unless they, you know, decide to to call, unless the Lord decides to call someone uh, the same age as everyone else, you know, 80s and 90s, it will skew the age 35 years younger than it was previously. Oh, um, yeah. The cumulative like when Elder altogether. Bednar was called. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the second thing is, um, is that this could be the first gen x apostle which i think is oh, significant he could, it, it, he could it come to... in with a little long hair and yep yep gonna buck the system yeah uh the joke <laughs> i'm a lot about three's company yeah. his talks <laughs> the uh the joke i made of course is that or what will likely happen is we'll just forget about gen x altogether and skip right to a millennial yeah. but that's right uh it, i think that that's significant it'd have to be someone that would be um maybe one of the younger apostles in a good long time in order to be a Gen Xer, but possible, like that's where we're at, the age that, yeah. uh, you know, Gen X apostles could be called. Someone who listened to Nirvana, that would be, you know. Right? Yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool. To, to have those, I mean, uh, it, it's a long time coming, but when you think about, um, when you think about an apostle being a digital native, I mean, that's, 
That's true. I mean, yeah, we're not I, quite there, but yeah. No, no, that's forever away. That's yeah. I mean, even me, years uh, away. Personal computers came out when I was like twelve. Yeah, like you know. So well, yeah. I mean, no, they they had them before that. They had the pet. But I mean, and like yeah, but like Dude, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's sort of significant. Some people are like, the Lord will call whoever. Yes, I know, but it is significant because the the things, you know, it's just the same as like a, an apostle that lived through the depression. Mm-hmm. An apostle who was born after the pre- the depression, both are qualified by whom they were called. Both have great life experiences, and we have things that are valued, right? But a, a society, a, a life, uh, 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 those that you're surrounded by are instructed by what you experience. And so, when you say something like, you know, it's an apostle who um, is a Gen Xer, it's an apostle who. Um, was born after the Cold War. It was, you know, all of these things, their life experiences are different. Therefore, their perspective on life is different because of the things that they either did or didn't have to live through and the age at which they were when that ex- when that existed. Someone- and I totally agree. Think of Revelation. Like if you look at Joseph Smith and you look at the majority of the Revelations and you like what led up to them, they were often, if not always, because he was reading something or he was reading, translating the Book of Mormon and he went, hey, what about this priesthood? And then he went and asked about it. Mm-hmm. So and mm-hmm. that that's the case with like um, like blacks in the priesthood and that you, know, you think about all the major revelations. They've all started from this question. So so if if they, they often start from questions, which I'm sure is some they're inspired to ask the questions. I, mm-hmm. I get that. But the types of questions someone would Gen X might ask might be different than someone who lived through the civil rights movement or the depression or, you know, sure. and so, and that's, and I think that's how, that's how the Lord moves the, the church ahead is that as new people come in, they ask different questions because there's no way as mortals, we can ever ask the right number of questions to get everything out until we move on to the next life and become, you know, celestial ourselves. Right. Yeah. Um, so I loved it. I love it. Maybe there's questions that that Gen X would ask that had never been thought. Just see, everyone thought was just settled before. That's yeah, not I, always the case. Yeah, like, an interesting perspective is like President Nelson would have been my age during the civil rights movement. Right. And someone that could be called now as an apostle could be born after the main thrust of the civil rights movement. And so all of those questions, all of the discussions around the civil rights movement were never a consideration for yeah. that apostle who could be called. That is highly right. significant than someone who in their fourth decade of their life is seeing the transformation. Well, if you think about it, like, let's just take the the race and the priesthood idea, the civil rights, mm-hmm. we're talking about that. If you grew up during the civil rights movement, it became, it was very it was a very, very big deal. But if you grew up later, you just maybe don't think of it that the same way. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're not asking questions about that because it, to you, it's settled. So you move on to something else. Maybe there's the way we treat um, homosexuals in the church. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what you're, maybe transgenderism, how we treat those people. Or maybe it's it's the idea of visitors welcome. And visitors welcome means everything that they bring. I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just don't know what that might look like from a different perspective. And so, right. yeah, significant, interesting to note. And then also kind of adjacent to that is now Elder Holland, who seems to be feeling a lot better. Yeah. He's now the that. acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. So now it is President 
Holland. Yeah, he seemed to struggle since April, and then all of a sudden, President Ballard died, and he got a second wind, it looks like. Yeah, yep. Those complications from COVID, and it has been announced, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in an upcoming Temple ticker, uh, he will be doing the dedication of the St. George Temple, which is significant. Wow, that's 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 great. Sounds yep. like he's, uh, we got a little bit more Holland for a while. Uh, I wish we could get a little bit more oats. If we could get a little bit more Holland and, and a, a little, little bit more, more oats. <laughs> <laughs> Holland and Oaks and Oaks. <gasps> you, oh, that's the next first. Pre- that's got to be the next first presidency. Elder if Oaks only... becomes President Oaks. Hall and Holland and Oaks. Yeah, if someone if someone could take the uh, the uh, album cover of Hall and Oats and and do a little Photoshop of Elder Holland and Elder. Oh Oaks, man, that would be good. That would that would do my heart so well. Someone Photoshop. out there can do it. Do it now. Photoshop, folks, do it. All right, where do you want to go? We got happy news and we got about 10 more minutes, my friend. We got 10 more minutes, huh? Um, uh, Take me to the happy news. Uh, uh, where am I at? Okay, the happy news. Uh, oh, the Institute. Institute. President Nelson extends uh, an invitation to enroll in Seminary Institute. So he didn't just like let your bishop say, hey, guys, go do this. He He's like, he went through it all out there and he promised some blessings if you would in, in enroll in seminary institute you know um so he said uh here's what he said uh he said students will it'll help them solve problems in their lives and make decisions to find answers to their questions so if you're looking to find that enroll in um seminary institute and also that you will feel a sense of belonging and increase in in faith in jesus christ now hopefully that's different than some experience in um uh seminary when i was in high school there was some times when i definitely didn't feel i belonged in there but that was my that was my own feeling but he has promised that if he will he will be able to do that so he's come out in a recorded message or two recorded messages that he has promised those um those blessings to you I have thought about because I'm only one class away from graduating from institute. I think that they still kind of keep that record. I have thought about going back and taking that institute class because when I was about to graduate from institute, it was when I was excommunicated from the church, and I think and I you didn't actually, finish it. Well, I think <laughs> I still t- I think I still took it, but they didn't give me credit for that class because I wasn't a member of the church. So I've thought oh, about right. going back and. And doing that class and getting it. What I don't know is maybe it's I, that one linchpin thing in your life that you've just come. Everything else will fall together at the moment you do. I've it. thought about it. I, I also have thought. I wonder if they actually keep the records, or if they'd be like, "All right, guy, that is not college age. I'm not sure what your motivation for being here is." But well, you it could be like me and my right eagle, eagle Scout. I'm working on getting my Eagle Scout award, even though no one will let me get it. Sure, I'm gonna do it. Sure. There should be something that, like, not an eagle, but like a different kind of bird that, like, symbolically makes sense. Phoenix. That's what I'm calling it. The Phoenix, the Phoenix Award. Maybe oh. I should do it for all the culture hall people. It's just like the Phoenix Award for the culture hall. Done. I, I've got it all lined up. All what? Maybe I'll, I'm happy to do. Why don't I? Uh, yeah, in January. Oh, I promise. Yeah. Why don't in you January, get through Christmas first? We'll see how Christmas yeah. goes. Yeah. Andrew. In January, I'll start, and I'll, I'll. I was gonna post about it anyway. Might as well post about it on the cultural hall. And if anyone else wants to follow me and do the, the the adult eagle or the phoenix award, because you know you're resurrecting, you know you're, sure. you're rising from the dust, rising from the ash. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So. Uh, 
I thought that this was sort of interesting. This is sort of a happy-ish uh, story. BYU uh, football maybe going to go to a bowl. Yeah, sure didn't play as good in the Big 12 as we thought that they might. But uh, they have a uh, Jewish quarterback. Did you know this? I I did when I read the article. Jake Retzloff transferred to BYU during the offseason. Uh, he is one of five Jews, five at BYU. There are three undergraduate and two graduate Jewish individuals who attend uh, the BYU. Uh, he has received such nicknames as the Hucking Hebrew, <laughs> but he prefers BY Jew. That's what he loves his nickname to be. BYU. He is the BY Jew. And uh, I thought it was the rock star of David. That's what the head headline says. Well, I like BYG a little bit better. I like BYG too. These are the nicknames. Even though by saying it, it, it makes me cringe a little. But if he likes it, I'll take it. It's okay because he said now uh, uh, college football plays on Saturday. The the Jewish folks' uh, Shabbat or Sabbath or day of mm -hmm. rest, right? From sunset on Friday to sunset on Saturday. He said, I'm making the choice to play, play football. So he's not as orthodox as all that, but does wear a Star of David. That's great. That's cool. Jake Retzlov. I thought that was interesting. Interesting to note all over the part, uh, all over the place, because yes, the title of the BYU Jew. I don't know. I don't really feel comfortable. It would be that. awesome if you could interview him on that. I would really like to know more about him and hear his point of view. Done. He's got uh, not much going on. Now. Done. <laughs> Football season. You got it. Got uh, it. And then uh, the other part of it is interesting to note that of the thirty plus thousand people who attend BYU, five who identify is, as as Jews. I think that that's... Well, I mean, how many other religions... I mean, like, what percent of other religions are there? I mean, anyway, so, so that, here's the that, deal. It, I mean, at most, because, good point, 98% of BYU is LDS. So we're talking 2%. Yeah, so, so 2%, 2%, right? So if it's, yeah. let's say, for sake of numbers, let's say they have 33,000, so 3,300 times... Uh, 3,300, it would be 10%. So 5% would be 1650. So then, uh, you know, you're looking at a good like 700 or less to be that 2%. So five of those 600. Yeah. 600. Five of those 600 yeah. are Jews. I wonder what the other folks are. I would imagine probably uh, some, some form of Christianity. I would imagine. I would imagine probably not that many uh, declared atheists. So it looks like it's 0.8. Three, 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 three. Anyway, um, a percent is Jewish at BYU. Point eight of well, it's point eight of the non. Oh, but point yeah, eight. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. not even one percent. Interesting. It would be interesting to find out who, who, and what those other individuals are. Uh, other other happy news. We got like five minutes. Where do you want to go? Um, I, I don't have anything. I think I'm lost. What do you I have sent, left? I sent you the things. I sent you all the things. Oh, I'm, I looked at them. You had oh, the media. You didn't look at all the things. The Here's seminary. what I think is cool. Let's make a quick mention to this. There's a uh, podcast called Strive. Oh, uh, this is uh, from a woman who attended BYU, Idaho. Abby Harding is her name. Uh, it is a podcast, fairly new. Um, it is, um, according to the Strive podcast, dedicated to helping women strive to become the best versions of themselves by relying on Jesus Christ and uniting with other women. So if you're looking for to support a new up-and-coming podcast, it's called Strive, and you can check that out. 
uh, that wherever you get the cultural hall. Is it like? Is it like uh, strive to aim to help women become like the classic good Mormon woman, like getting married? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, (laughs) I thought this was cool because we see more and more of this. Uh, President Freeman, that is Emily Bell Freeman, former guest of the Cultural Hall, and Sister J. Annette Dennis, the first counselor in the Relief Society, uh, went on a 10-day sort of like mission companion tour through West Africa, visiting places like Sierra Leone, um, they were able. Did she, did she get her scooter out and scoot around just just to? Because don't you remember she had that talk about the scooter? Uh, because you heard her. Uh, uh, no, whatever. Anyway, no. sorry that was really bad. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, they went to Accra, Ghana as well. Uh, attended a mosque. Um, visited in Freetown um, and helped out with the child nutrition program and introduced the church uh, membership uh, worldwide as to what that actually is. It's a program that provides malnutrition screening and monitoring as well as education. Uh, I think it's super cool because I don't remember in our past that we would see um, these sisters going and doing this because as I understand, obviously their husbands are there with them, but it's not like uh, President Freeman is joining Elder Oaks as he goes on this tour. It is these two women, and they are going and doing this. I think that that's significant. That's awesome. And, yeah. and happy news worth sharing. Uh, I thought this was cool as well. Um, oftentimes, you've heard us be critical of the church here in the cultural hall. The water conservation? About the water conservation yep. at our chapel. See, I did read them. I just well, forgot. So when I asked you about them and you said, <laughs> what? No, I don't have anymore. Where was that? Mr. I was. It was there. I just forgot. Come on, Mr. Mayor. Anyway, yeah, but you're right. So the water conservation, the program re- revolves around reducing lawns. But we have, me and you have discussed this, where we walk by. I mean, it's it's frustrating when you take, like, you're, you're on drought, drought restrictions, and you walk by the church, and it's, like, blaring with water. So they've, mm-hmm. they've done a lot to re- reduce lawns in general in a lot of churches, um, improving irrigation systems. And so you're not losing water when they do water. Um, so they've adding drought, drought tolerant, tolerant plants native plants from around the building they're moving more towards so they actually have a program in place to do that what it i couldn't remember i couldn't see if they talked about temples because i think that's a big one that's one we've talked about in the past it seems like the temples tend to use and this is just anecdotal but Mm -hmm. it does seem like the temples use a lot of extra water and i hope that this reaches out to temples that in their perspective environment they're going to use native plants and more drought drought tolerant plants all that but i mean everyone wants the green grass for their temple pictures right but it's sometimes not always um the best well, thing for everyone. well and i think it's just societal right we've sort of associated like well kept with the green grass with a you know that's beauty in a picture and and it just really has to be a thing that we have to change in our minds about having a lot of grass it's interesting to note new chapels that are built 35 percent uh of the of the uh, area can be lawns at new meeting houses the rest is covered with mulch plants trees etc so um this well, that's better than 100 percent, like the old <laughs> right uh there there um this particular program it's um six chapels one in ogden one in castledale which is uh down in emory county sort of in the desert of utah one in salt lake and a few other places, what they have done is they went to the church and they said, we're going to try these different principles to change out these different uh, landscapings, whatever, and then they're going to see how they apply. So it's a a pilot program that's been going on. Great results. Uh, People have liked it. And I think it's incredible because 
when we look at trying to make a change, this isn't an issue for the church everywhere, but certainly here in the state of Utah and in the West where water is becoming increasingly uh, harder to come by and droughts every year and all of the things, even though we were blessed with snow last year, is the idea that so many people take their nod of what's important for them from the church. And so when the church says, hey, this is important and we're incurring the costs and we're going to change some things, I think that it makes individuals also go, hey, the church did that. Why did they do that? Oh, they yeah, believe it's sustainable like that, and then they can bring it home. Or, you know, just the educational part of it, or just even the consideration like people had never thought to even do something like that. So they decided to do it because the church. There's a lot of people who resist this kind of stuff until the church church does it just because they don't see a big problem until the church sees the problem. And I'm not mean, I'm not trying to be negative about that. They, people have other things going on. So they, they look to something like the church. And even though that's not the church's technical role to, to do that, they are, they have influence. And so I'm grateful to see them taking that influence in a positive route here. Yeah. Then the last uh, happy, uh, happy news article, then we're going to take a break and it's all heavy news in the third block Ooh, is the giving machines. Giving machines, Marie Osmond helping to tell people about the giving machines, Travis Kelsey, you know, Taylor Swift's boyfriend. He was featured oh, in the video. Yeah, he I plays for the Kansas that. City Chiefs. Yeah, it's featured in the video. Everyone loves Donna Kelsey, Travis Kelsey's mom. She's helping to get the word out about the giving machines. Andy Reid and uh, sister Reid, Tammy, helping to say, hey, guys, th this is the thing. Give to these uh, to these uh, giving machines. And we're going to get we're going to get a goat. On the 16th of December, when you're here, we're going to buy a goat. And are, now, here's the question. We don't get to determine, but as, as you put your hat. Will it be on the it, 14th or the 15th? Yeah. Yeah. Not the 16th. Because yeah. the 16th is the wedding. I'm not missing that. Okay. Fine. I was hoping you'd miss the wedding for me, but that's cool. Uh, I uh, I hope that we will um, determine beforehand. Like, I think that I'm buying the head of the goat. Even though yeah. you get to distinguish with the giving machine. So are you all right with giving the tail end of the goat? Yeah, I'll get the butt. Got <laughs> the old gut butt goat himself, Mr. Mayor. Right. Thanks for joining me for these happy Welcome. articles of news. I had an email from someone who listens to the cultural hall. I believe it was a, not a lifer, but a convert who said, Hey, Richie, are you still teaching the podcast classes? And the answer is yes. In fact, I have even fine tuned it more than I ever had before. So you might be asking, well, Richie, how do I get in on that? Well, you can always email contact at the cultural or you can find me on social media, wherever I'm at Richie T. Stedman and reach out and say, Hey, I listen to the cultural hall. I would love to learn more about podcasting or your podcast services, a class, a cohort. There's a group of people. I've even taught uh, the ward historian about podcasting, what it is and how it might be a great benefit to people. If that's something that you're interested in, whether it's for your business or just for your private hobby, maybe something you see your future in, would love to be able to help you along the way. You can find me again anywhere on social media, Richie T. Stedman, or you can uh, just contact us, contact at theculturalhall.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Let us podcast together. 
To be clear, this is still a show. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, this is going to be uh, the heavier news. The, uh, the, the, you know, okay, do we have to talk about that? Do you guys always have to talk about that kind of stuff? Well, no, we don't have to. We choose to, and for good reason. I think it's important to know uh, what is going on in and around the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, with some bad actors, with, uh, you know, things that uh, we should be on the lookout for, um, things that perhaps we have no control over but could very easily happen to us, and how would we react? Uh, And I think it's just important to, to, to know. So that's what these articles of news are. Uh, It's the heavier articles of news uh, and I'm joined by Annette Luthy Lyon. Thank you for drawing the short match stick and doing the heavier news, Annette. Happy to be here. Uh, I, she says, happy to be. I wish I would have done the happier news. No, uh, well, I tend to be the dark one anyway, so oh, we're good. Come on now. Well, no, like at Thanksgiving dinner, my bro- my brother-in-law looks at me and he goes, "So, what are your thoughts about Tim Ballard?" And I was like, "Oh, dude, <laughs> <laughs> this table How right far now." How down the rabbit hole do you want me to go on that one? He knows. Yeah. I mean, I am the dark person. It's good. Well, well, then in that case, I'm glad to have you uh, as we talk about it. This first one, uh, just just crummy, terrible, but not necessarily a bad actor or something, uh, you know, a Mormon behaving badly. There was a fire in uh, Chevy Chase, Maryland at uh, a church, an LDS church, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints there on Western Avenue. And I immediately uh, thought, well, wait a minute. Why is it called Chevy Chase, Maryland? Obviously, my I immediately went to the actor Chevy Chase, uh, whose name, by the way, not birth given, Chevy Chase. You probably knew that. Uh, I don't remember what his real name was, but his yeah. name is Cornelius. For those who are not of Gen X, yeah. you might know him. Was it from Community? Is that what he was on most recently? Yeah, Community. Uh, he was his breakout came. He was the er- original Weekend Update segment on the first season of Saturday Night Live. Uh, certainly this time of year, people will recognize him as Clark Griswold. Uh, his birth given name, Cornelius Crane Chase. But here's what I found out about uh, why it's called a Chevy Chase, Maryland. So it its name uh, is, uh, it, it uh, goes back to chases or hunting grounds in the Cheviot Hills. So hmm. it's the Chevy or Cheviot Hills, the Chevy Chase. So it's a hunting ground in Maryland, and that's why it's called the Chevy Chase uh, Chapel in Maryland, because that's the the place where this particular chapel was. Anyway, all to say, uh, fire burned $10 million worth of damage to Hmm. this particular chapel. Uh, Completely, uh, I I shouldn't say completely destroyed. They have not said whether or not they're going to try and rebuild it. It is um, for this particular community and and for the church. And there's a great article, you can find the link in the show notes, where it talks about the history for this particular community with this chapel. Talks about how, you know, built nearly 80 years ago that the um, 
the singing Mormon mothers. Have you ever heard of this phenomenon no. with the church in it? So uh, it, they were sometimes called the Release, Relief Society singing mothers. They would go, every ward or every stake sort of had this group of women that would sing. And then every year or every couple of years, they would go to New York and put on a concert. Similar to like how back in the day, um, we used to do road shows at a ward level and then they would compete at a stake level and then they would go region. They would do those kind of things uh, with that involved all the membership of the church. And then they also had, uh, for the young men, they used to have basketball tournaments. And people probably don't even remember this. They would have, you'd have the, com the competition on the stake level that then went to region. And then I think every year or every other year or maybe every four years like the Olympics, all the winningest teams would converge on Salt Lake like we do now with the competitive sports for our teenage kids that we can't afford, but we force them into because one day they're going to be an NBA basketball player. They would do that within the church in the 60s and 70s for these massive basketball competitions. So uh, the story about this particular chapel, twofold. One, wow, we used to do all these things that we don't do anymore. Two, the fire started, they think, in the attic of this particular chapel, uh, have not determined whether or not it was arson, though it looks like it is not, in fact, arson, caused for some other reason. Uh, the particular ward from the Chevy Chase building displaced, and on Thanksgiving, uh, a neighboring ward in the Washington northwest part of D.C. said, hey, you guys have been through a lot. We're opening the doors to our church. Why don't you guys come and uh, and spend some Thanksgiving time with us, which I think is super cool. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, we don't do that kind of stuff in Utah. We sort of stick stuff with our families. We don't think of the the um, you know the the our churches, our family, nearly as much in the Intermountain West as people do elsewhere. But this is the whole ward gets together, and obviously not the whole ward, but a, a majority of the ward, a, a good portion of the ward gets together. Everyone brings a thing. You get together. You have a big meal, and they said, "Hey, ward that's now displaced, why don't you come over and and have some food and take a load off, and we'll take care of you with all that you guys have been through." So. Several aspects of this thing, uh, not the least of which is the $10 million at least uh, of damage to this particular building, but just sad. The photo's crazy. It's two alarm fire, which if people don't know about uh, how alarm fires work, it's like an escalating degree. It's like a category five storm is worse than a category one storm. So a two alarm fire is more. They had like hundred firefighters, a couple of firefighters had things fall towards them or at them and were mildly injured within it. Luckily, no one uh, died or was seriously injured in the fire at all, no congregants or anything like that, but just a, a devastating fire for the community, for that particular church building, for the history of the church there. And Sad. It is. That's very sad. Do you, uh, is your particular church that you uh, worship in, is it a newer church or older church? Uh, my current one is new. Yeah. Okay. I grew up in an, in an older one, though. So you so, sort yeah. of get kind of the feeling of like the, you know, because like my ward, for example, uh, at the time that my ward was built or right around the time that my board ward was built, uh, my grandfather was the bishop of this particular ward. And it was back in the time where uh, they had to say, uh, Sister Lion, how much can you donate mm -hmm. to the building yeah. of this building? And so it would be, I mean, any sort of... Uh, you know, fire or destruction or anything like that is a tragedy. It would be a particular tragedy for my community here in Taylorsville for something to happen to our chapel because, it, you know, a lot of the people that still worship there are people that either as kids or in their early adult years 
sacrificed to to have a building so yeah, close. That's uh, and older buildings actually often have cool architecture features as well. Like the one my husband um, grew up attending um, had like a gun range in the basement. <laughs> Just what? really wild stuff. What? It's it was like an ADA nightmare with stairs and weird places and stuff. Sure. But um, it was cool at the time. They've since torn it down and replaced it. But interesting. Yeah, cool the gun range. I wonder if that was uh, something that the church was like, yeah, we're cool with that. Or if like people in the ward were like, listen, if we're paying for it, it's going to have some features that we want. Uh, let's get a bowling alley in there. Let's get a gun range. Exactly. Um, now, you had a, a news story or two you wanted to share. Maybe yeah. it's necessarily so, as heavy, um, which is fine. Yeah, I mentioned Tim Ballard already, but just thought you know, may as well update on some of the more the latest things. Um, just a couple of days ago, we got a video of the five women who were anonymous who are suing him. They come out and made statements on video with their own names and mm -hmm. read statements. Um, and it's very powerful. It's about 20 minutes long and it's heartbreaking to watch, but it's very much corroborating each other's stories. It's, it's disturbing. One of the five is a former Marine and her story was published um, in Vice several days before the video came out. And she said, yes, that story was about me. Um, and she, in, in that story, it's or the article. It is, it's again, it's one of those things where over and over she had those little red flags of this doesn't seem right. Why are there no more requirements for this training than writing a letter? This seems odd. This seems unprofessional, but like well, everybody else is okay with it. So it, Tim must be okay. But again, all these red flags in hindsight. Um, and then in one of these trainings, one of this dude landed on her face and broke her orbital bone. Um, she now has problems with vision for the rest of her life now. And she has a titanium plate in her face. And when it happened, Tim said, well, we can't call an ambulance. Jeez. Because he didn't want Operation Underground Railroad to be connected to her accident. I mean, it was just, it's, it's disturbing. But it's, um, again, it, it's good information to come forward and to come to light. And anyone who doubted that there were women who had real stories, you see them. You see their faces and their pain. It's it's sad, but real. And as I understand, one of the women is still anonymous because there were six that made accusations. Mm. And only the five have come forth Went with, to their, public, yeah. Yeah, with their names in that. And that's... Oof. Yeah. Like you say, uh, I mean, I, there have been a lot of people that are like you innocent until proven guilty. OK, that's in court. Well, period. Uh, yeah, I, I know. But I like I try and just be like, I'm not trying to give the guy any sort of benefit of the doubt. I know certainly if I was accused of things and I didn't feel like it, I would say, hey, I didn't do this. So I guess we have to leave. Even just a little bit of space of like, hey, you know, it could just be, I don't think it is, but it could just be this whole thing. But absolutely just terrible as you hear these women's stories, see the pain, hear the pain in their voices as they talk about what occurred. But to the one person who's like, hey, man, innocent until, okay, yeah, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll give you that space. Yes, all of these things, I suppose, could be... Now, there's there's something to all of this, right? Or there's yeah. smoke, there's fire, all the things. Uh, how was the rest of your Thanksgiving dinner when you uh, when you started talking about Tim Ballard? Did that end up tasting as good? <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> um, um, it, it was interesting because um, um, there were a couple of people who knew very little or thought it was all made up. 
Mm-hmm. And when I was able to drop a lot of uh, actual sources and whatnot, they they went, oh, and they started seeing that this wasn't just like a hit situation. Sure. Um, but then other things came out. We, you know, the the Daybell case was brought up, and I had a sibling go, the what? And then my brother was like, you don't know that case. How can you not know? And so the, we he joined me and we went off a little bit on some of that. Um, anyway, no, it was good. It was, I, I like I said, I, I tried to rein myself in a bit because uh-huh. I can go off for hours and I didn't. Nice. Did you guys talk about what you were Credit grateful to for too? Or I just like it, people yeah, who? It was fun. We had a good, good, good Thanksgiving overall. Good, good, good food and all the things. Yeah. Good. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's shift then uh, as we are in the heavier side of the news of this stuff. I'm not really sure where I want to go um, with all this. How about uh, I thought this was interesting. This from uh, an exclusive in People magazine. A uh, lot of different reactions in the comments section on this about David Archuleta. He says that his Mormon friends are cold to him. One year after leaving the church, he says, quote, I feel like I'm in the stage where I'm learning to not have to apologize anymore to to people for who I am. I'm trying I'm now trying to find myself as an adult queer person and say, you know what? It's okay to be me. If that means I'm someone else from who I was maybe 10 years ago or even five years ago, goes on to reflect about how he feels like people just aren't comfortable with uh, with uh, who he is. Um, he says, as I step away more and more from the culture I grew up in and the mindset that I was raised to have, I'm learning to find myself more and more. Um, he says that he went to a funeral. I thought that this was interesting because uh, well known that he was good friends with M. Russell Ballard. He went to a funeral of one of the worldwide church leaders, according to people, obviously Elder Ballard. Uh, and said that it was weird to step into it no longer being a part of it and saying, you know what? It seems like everyone has moved on from me as well. I think it would be an interesting place. I, I don't know that it's people have moved on necessarily. I would hope not. I think that that there's a part of it that that in my heart hopes that like we always love everyone always. Maybe that's altruistic and not realistic um, just because of how people are. But I also think like it, I like to me, say that I were at Elder Ballard's funeral and say that I was friends with Elder Archuleta, uh, to then say, hey, David, uh, like there would be a little bit of, you know, I guess maybe it's sort of awkwardness, right? Not awkwardness like I didn't care about him as an individual, not awkwardness like I didn't want to know what was going on with his life, but like if I'm at a church thing and he knows that I'm a member of the church and I know he's not a member of the church, like is it like, you know, what what do you sort of connect on? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. how's life? Great. Cool. Do you bring up the elephants in the room? Yeah. And, and maybe, yeah. and and because, you know, LDS people not known for really great, uh, uncomfortable conversation, conversations or confrontation, I bet most people just sort of avoid it. And I could see yep. how that could be um, seen as cold. It would be my hope that people aren't like, not talking to him anymore. Forget mm-hmm. that guy. But but I could see that that would occur. I just hope it. I hope it's more uh, that it's just that it was just uncomfortable and people didn't know what to do, rather than people making the. And I hope it's temporary that, that they'll come around and be like, "I wasn't sure what to say, but hey, let's still be friends." Yeah, yeah. that's why I always will say something, even when I undoubtedly will say the wrong thing. <laughs> I lean I lean into it because I don't ever want anyone to think anything else. I just I'm like, here we go. That was the wrong thing, huh? Yeah but I sure I'm grateful I said something. Yeah, I think to err on that side, I think is good. I remember one one time a friend was going through a stillbirth situation oh, and 
Um, I remember being on the phone with her and saying, I, I don't even know what to say. And she goes, that. That's what I needed to hear that you that you don't say, oh, he's in a better place or oh, that you don't understand, but you care. And I was like, OK, good. Saying I had no clue what to say was better than, you know, a platitude, I guess. Yeah. So I was grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to get darker and darker as far as this news goes. Uh, I'm not sure if you want to take an, another one of your stories. I'll take then... one. This, this this one's very short, so I'll go quick with it here. Okay. Um, Shanna Gardner, who um, we've been following the case of Jared Brightigan, who was her, her ex-husband, that she is now charged with his murder along with her now second husband and two other uh, accomplices. She has replaced her attorney with a new one, and that's kind of a eyebrow raiser because this guy um, was the guy, the attorney who got Casey Anthony acquitted. Oh wow! Okay. So people are kind of raising their eyebrows at that one and going, "Hmm, that's that's interesting." And her family, being the stamping up fortune, can afford that kind of lawyer. And if he can get Casey Anthony off, who knows what he can do with Shanna Gardner? So interesting. Okay. Yeah, you have definitely kept us updated as far as that goes. So uh, continuing to follow that. Uh, this Mormon ex-scout leader, uh, by the way, if there are younger kids ears listening, this is where we get into the heavy stuff for a bit. So maybe press pause, come back to it. 47-year-old former Pennsylvania Boy Scout leader has been sentenced for sexually assaulting two young relatives for several years in Virginia. Sean Corey Gooden pleaded guilty in July after an extensive investigation revealed he sexually assaulted a relative when they were between the ages of 9 and 13 years old. Multiple times over the course of 1997 to the year 2000, Gooden held the following positions until his arrest in September 2022. He was bishop with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and a member of the executive board for the New Birth of Freedom Boy Scouts organization. During the investigation, police discovered that Gooden sexually assaulted another young relative who was the, between the ages of 8 and 12 uh, during their assault, which happened during the same time frame. Uh, the felony charges he pleaded guilty in Virginia were taking indecent liberties with children, aggravated sexual battery, forcible sodomy, two counts. He uh, was sentenced in Prince William Circuit Court to serve at least two and a half years in prison, followed by five years of supervised probation upon release. He is a registered sex offender now, according to the court documents, and this is not the end of Gooden's assault cases. He's also facing 19 charges regarding the rape of three children under the age of 13 in Berks County, Pennsylvania, according to records. Those offenses are dated April 21st of 2000. Uh, and you can, if, as always, uh, contact the police should you know about anything like this going on or have anything related to this case, or you can call the Scouts First Helpline, uh, which is 844-SCOUTS-1 and email contact scoutsfirst at scouting.org to report suspected abuse or inappropriate behavior. But just one of a couple of these kind of stories that we're going to talk about during this time. Comments from you said uh, Annette, Annette Luthi Lyon. Anything about that? Just horrible. Yeah. Just awful. I'm glad people are getting charged people are speaking up because it's not just a, our church problem this is sure. something that's you know it seems like every christian church seems to have this type of issue and i think we're starting to address it um on an institutional level but obviously we have a long way to go and i hope people are held accountable for what they've done it's yeah tough. 
And eyes wide open, I think, is probably the most reason why I share these things is so many times, and we've talked about it here in the cultural hall, in other things, in in like affinity fraud and other things, as we go, no, there is no way that Annette, who I have spoken about Mormon things, uh, you know, for hours on end, she writes books that are wholesome and good. There is no way, and I'm not saying you do any of these things or anything, <laughs> even a of these things, but, no. you know, if you started acting in a way that I go, uh, hmm. mm-hmm. there is validity in in thinking okay well you know what just because they have the stamp of lds or they have the whatever of this that doesn't mean that they couldn't be yeah. these other things i've been grateful that like i was a primary teacher for many many years and i was i was glad that every couple of years i had to take that online thing you know the little training which is not a big deal it's a 20 minute little video to watch and you answer questions just to to confirm that yes i know the two deep leadership and what's appropriate what's not i'm it's been great to see um doors with windows being put into the chapels so like Mm -hmm. classrooms are not anyone can peek in at any time Mm -hmm. um i I think some of those things i think are that we're making some good strides again on the institutional level we're not there yet but there's it's steps in the right direction to protect kids down the road so yeah yeah uh, this, it's hard it's this one about hard. brian rogalino uh court records indicate that brian rogalino's bond was set at two hundred fifty thousand dollars, one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars per count after a lee circuit judge court uh robert branning uh has said that rogalino charged with one count of sexual battery on a child younger than 12 and one count of lewd and lascivious molestation jail records indicate that he remained in custody tuesday afternoon two weeks after branding set his bond uh, as part of the approval branding ordered uh, additionally that rogalina is required to wear a gps monitor and stay at least 1000 feet away from places where children congregate um and going on police said that on february 10th an out-of-state police agency contacted detectives to report that a victim came forward alleging a sex act a sex act from several years ago that happened in cape coral on january 18th the victim disclosed to school staff that several years ago they were touched inappropriately by rogalino of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints the investigation claims rogalino performed sex acts on the victim without her consent rogalino's next court date was not yet set so Again, just another thing. And, and I think, you know, it. I think it's human nature probably when these things come out, I instantly go, when was this? I look at the date. Is this the 80? And not that it, not that it makes it any, any less traumatic, terrible, anything like that. But I like to look at the date and go, oh, is this now? And, and, and we need to like really be focused on the things that we need to continue to maybe be doing more was this in the past it's all tragic it's all traumatic uh you know your heart goes out to to all the people that had to suffer at the hands of these people that that did these things so that's not that but i look i look instantly for the date and go is this today is this the past if there's something from the past have we done things that would make this harder to occur now or do we need to continue to do more exactly. and again are, are are the guardrails that are starting to be put in place did they fail or was this before the guardrails existed or yeah all of yeah. that yeah exactly. uh and then sort of on the last little part of this and then maybe we can do a little bit of a ni- uh nicer little lighter uh sort of thing 
a Cochise County judge threw out an attempt by two survivors of family sexual abuse to sue the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and two of its bishops for failing to report to police what they may have known of the incidents. This is, of course, of the story out of Arizona that we talked about. Uh, Superior Court Judge Timothy Dickerson said there is no evidence that church officials had independent knowledge of the abuse other than the confidential communications that they had with abuser Paul Adams. So Paul Adams, apparently within clergy privilege, said, hey, this is what I've done to uh, my kids. And very egregious. You can read the articles. I'm not going to respout the things that he did. The judge said that Arizona laws that require such incidents to be reported, including by the clergy, specifically say that is overridden when the only source of that information is what was divulged to them in confession or similar conversation. So uh, that is likely not going to be the last word in that particular case. Um, There is likely to be an appeal of all the trial judges' rulings, and who knows where this ends up. But um, at least for the time being, what it says is, yeah, you know what, listen, if this occurs and the only way that people know about it is through a confession with the bishop, whether that's an LDS bishop or otherwise, they do not have to report it to the police. And um, where this particular case gets a little bit messy is that the bishops called the helpline that the LDS church offers uh, and asked for advice who, according to uh, reports, told him to not report it to the police or encouraged him to follow the laws of Arizona, which said he did not, in fact, have to share that with the police. So it's not it's not how I would do it. Exactly. I uh, I, I think it's uh, I it, it's difficult. Because on the one hand, like you hear so much about like the clergy and, and the, uh, you know, the confidentiality. Right. But 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 on the other hand, like I just feel like that you know, in an effort to be so devoted to one side, we miss the point of the other side. Meaning if we can prevent, like there has to be like a stop in some of these things. Like if we know that someone does A, then then B doesn't apply because we can't have C, which is the children being abused continuously for a long time, right? Like, yes, okay, the guy... He's he chatted with someone who isn't his wife and they were inappropriate in their conversation. I don't know. Maybe that's okay. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's someone who's been cheated on that's like, that absolutely should be reported, whatever. I don't know. I don't know where the line is necessarily. But the the idea that these people knew could have reported and prevented further abuse to occur is so yeah. hard for me to be like, yeah. Keep it to yourself. Law says keep it to yourself unless you can verify it other ways. I just, I I don't understand that. If there's someone who does understand that better than me, contact at theculturalhall.com. I would love to have that discussion. I know that I've seen several people deal with, you know, the argument that, well, if they've repented and and we should forgive and blah, blah, blah. But then oftentimes it'll even be the person who they abused that it is expected to be okay with being in their presence. And it's like, it's almost, I almost think of it as someone is a pedophile. It's almost like being an alcoholic where it's, you can forgive them from what they've done, but don't give them alcohol. You know, right. don't, you don't put them in the position where they could reoffend. We can forgive them. We can love them, but don't expect them to be near their victim or give them new victim opportunities. And it's okay if the victim hasn't forgiven them yet. That does not 
change the atonement at all. They have their own journey and they've been wounded. So come on, let's, I don't know. I've seen that too many times and it, it frustrates me. But. I guess there's some part of the like the atonement or like the paying the 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 price, I guess, that makes me feel like if you broke the law, and again, this is another scale of where I don't know where you necessarily ride, but like um I stole a million dollars, right? I go to the bishop and I say, Hey, I stole a million dollars. Uh I, I feel really bad about it. I promise I'm not gonna do it again. Um it, let's say I even repay the people a million dollars. I still have done something illegal. Mm-hmm. And to me, I guess in my mind, and I don't know where the cutoff on something like this is, is I feel like some part of it is like the the to face the punishment of the law is part of the punishment for the thing which you've done. And yes. I, I don't think it's that black and white because I can think of several things that I have done that are illegal that I have never, you know, I speed, right? I drive faster than I should, or I talk on my cell phone, right? There's some sort of things like that, that those things are illegal. And so where do I cut that off? In order for me to truly be forgiven, do I need to pay a ticket or take the class that's a thing? Like, I'm sure there's some sort of cutoff, but there does seem on some of these sort of serious, more egregious things that it's like, no, I think part of it is the law of the land or the punishment of man that goes along with the, the, uh, I don't know, the godly punishment or the godly sorrow in order to have complete redemption from it. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Do you want a light palate cleanser yes, to please. finish things give up? Light, well, we're not done yet. But oh, we're not me, done yet? Give me a light okay. palate cleanser, would you please? Okay, so this is, um, there is a, a children's or a youth choir. Um, okay. It's called the Rise Up Children's Choir, and it is founded by a whole slew of members of the church of jesus christ latter-day saints i looked them all up and from what i could tell every one of them um is is a member um but are they mormon okay. royalty that's the term i like to throw around mormon now. royalty mormon no, i was you probably recognize a lot of them from theater <laughs> okay that kind of thing um so no, but not royalty. they recently what was that so no not royalty sorry so go no. ahead <laughs> Um, they recently did a cover of one of the Killers songs, and of course, the Killers with Brandon Brandon Flowers, Brother Flowers, um, past guest of the Cultural Hall. At one point, it was the joke that he was a future for future guest because Richie was going to get him in, and he since has. Boom. Um, but they did a cover of the Killers song, "All These Things That I've Done." So, and it's 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 fun. It's it's a it's a pretty good. This is a pretty good choir. It's, it's kind of impressive. And my other little fun little. Fun fact, aside from it being, you know, all Latter-day Saint adjacent, is that my niece is in it. Okay. And she's actually listed in the credits and she has a couple of solos. If you look at her, she's got the, if you want, there's a little YouTube video we will include in the show notes. She's got an orange sweater on. Looks nothing like me because her mother is beautifully ethnic and I am very much Scandinavian. Um, But yeah, but Rebecca Lyon is, is credited in there and that's my Way niece. Way to go, awesome. Rebecca. So, so yeah, it's a, it's, it's a really it's a it's a great video and a great cover anyway, and the, the choir does good stuff. I appreciate that uh, palate cleanser. Let's get that palate dirty again. Here we go. Uh, how about uh, this particular story? There is another lawsuit against the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints alleging that uh, the church uses tithing contributions. Uh, from its members for for-profit issues. The thing that's interesting, this is a couple weeks old now at this point, but we haven't shared it here in the Cold Draw. It's uh, three members of the church, active members of the church, who have said, hey, listen, 
Uh, we think that, uh, you know, there was a particular talk in the time of Gordon B. Hinckley around City Creek where he's the choice of his words makes us think that the money that we are that we think we are uh, contributing for tithing. Uh, that is for the uh, care of members of the church is being used as part of the investment arm of the church. And we've got an, an issue with that when we would like the church to be more transparent about it. It's interesting. These are not the uh, whistleblowers that have been reported before. Um, these are um, like that case um, that was filed by uh, Huntsman. Um, the three men, they lean on the allegations of the whistleblower, David Nielsen. Uh, they uh, bring into question Ensign Peak and how um, they've spent funds only twice in its 26-year history, according to both lawsuits. In 2009, they spent $600 million to bail, to bail out a failing church-owned for-profit life insurance company, and then the mall near Temple Square, the only two times that that money has been spent. They would like to see more transparency about it, and they aren't seeking to get their tithing money back. They're just seeking to go, hey, where is this money being used? We'd like a little more information, please and thank you. So uh, interesting to see that that has been, uh, that suit has been filed. Of course, anyone can sue anyone about anything. So I recognize, I recognize those sort of uh, retaliations to stories like this. But it is interesting to note that um, I can't imagine in a lot of these cases that there are people that are willing to put their um, financial and or their social standing out on the line if they don't in some way feel principled to what they're doing, whether it is that they feel like the church acted incorrectly or they just want more transparency as far as what the church is doing. I think that there is at least some validity to those individuals as to why they're doing what they're doing. And, you know, it also then raises the question, if you found out tomorrow all the tithing money that you've been, you know, donating your entire life, whatever that amount has been is going to make the church more wealthy to grow more and more money. Is that a big deal to you? Is that no deal to you? Do you care that that's the thing? Is the principle just that you gave the tithe, tithe to the church or where do you reside with that? And I think that's a, a significant personal question. If, you know, if they were using these funds as they deem incorrectly, like, do you feel like the church should be taxed? Do you feel like, um, you know, that, yeah, all, all the things with it. Where where do you kind of land? Where do you reside if if one of these lawsuits ends up going through? No comment, Annette. No, no comment. It, it's, <laughs> I feel like we've kind of covered some of this. I mean, I yeah, it's more visibility, transparency would be great. I understand why we haven't gotten it. I I don't know. Yeah, to me, to me, I guess I don't. Uh, to me, it feels like it, I, I get underestimated. If so, like if the church came out tomorrow and they said, "Hey, here's the deal: in a year, we make two billion dollars on tithing, like right, or one billion, half a billion, doesn't matter. Numbers are relevant." Uh, and they say, "And we spend." So let's use the idea of one billion, right? Let's say every year we get a billion in tithing, and the church spends five hundred million to help people. And then we invest the 500 million and we buy things. Like we're going to talk about a story in a minute about how the church recently is now the largest landowner in Nebraska. Like they are in seven or 11 other states, right? Buying huge tracts of land. Thank you for the nod to that uh, movie, those that got it. Otherwise, let's move on. Uh, so, so then, you know, let's say that we found that out, right? They're doing that and they're trying to become more wealthy and they're trying to become more wealthy and they're trying to become more wealthy. Does that matter to me as a, as a church member? Well, I guess it matters to me. 
Do I still feel like God has asked me to pay tithing to his church? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So would I probably do it still? Yeah, I probably would still. But but I think where, and at least in sort of side conversations on some of these things where it goes, uh, you know, there was that documentary that was done earlier this year or late last year where uh, one of the people in the church said, hey, you know what, one of our issues that we have is we feel like if the if if members of the church are aware of how much money we have, we think they'll stop giving. And I think that there's some validity to that. I think that there are some people who will go, how many billions does the Lord's church need? I could really stand to do this. But I don't know that those are people that are like, I believe in the principle of tithing right. as God asked me to do it. You know what I'm saying? So I feel sort of underestimated, right? I'd still probably do. Yeah, I, I don't pay tithing because I think the church needs it. I pay right. tithing because I, I covenanted to do these things and therefore I pay tithing. So, yeah, I... I feel like if if we had all kinds of transparency, we mm-hmm. would have people arguing over, well, you shouldn't be leasing this kind of car for the general authority. It should be this kind of car. Sure. Why are we doing this? You know, it's why are you spending money? That, it, we would have a different kind of microscope. So again, where do you draw the line? There yeah. has to be a line someplace. I, I don't know. I don't know where that would be. It's what I like to know more. Sure. Do I have the right to it? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I guess my thought is, I mean, I'd like to know, and I and I think about uh, I think about things like, you know, we live in a day in an age where I think for some people to have employment that like sustains their family, this is tangential. So get get ready, pack a bag real quick. But like, if every ward building were to hire a facilities manager and that person has to do the outside and do the inside. And now I don't have to clean anymore, but that person gets a job with benefits and a median salary. That seems like a pretty great use of, of church's money for each of the buildings. Now, is it an expense? Sure. Do we have it? Oh, I don't know. Could, is it sustainable on the, you know, the thousands of chapels that we have? I don't know. Right. I don't know all those things, but to me, I, I start to think of some of those things and go, I, I, there could be uh, some sort of limit as to like, not not that we don't pay tithing anymore, but that we start to do some some other things with the money, right? Yeah. To yeah. to sort it's, of help. I, I can definitely, I could totally get on board of that. Like, like even how you mentioned, sometimes, you know, we'll end up with a bishop. This is several weeks ago, we talked about it that who might be really struggling to serve as bishop and provide for his family what if there was a li- not a, not a salary but something to help him an allowance of some sort to help him support his family and attend to the flock as well yeah it'd be huge you know, that kind of thing so yeah it'd be huge and how do we do that i don't know and what's I don't know. the solution i'm not sure and how we you know, ask blah, the blah, questions blah. we right. don't answer them but but I do think that that could be kind of a cool thing, right? It's no different than a bishop's storehouse. It's not like he's like, bring me all the money so that I can be a rich bishop and all this stuff. But it is like, hey, you know what? I have something valuable to offer to this flock. And the only way that I can do this is with added contributions from the church. And I think that that, you know, that that individual and those individuals in that particular ward's life would be blessed because of that kind of service. Because it's not the lawyer. It's not the CEO of said organization it's someone with a willingness to serve that just needs a little bit of help i don't know long tangent uh side tangent uh we are in fact the largest landowner now of the state of nebraska that's just come over in the last four or five years obviously um you have within nebraska 
Uh, the church owned a considerable amount of land uh, already around uh, winter quarters, uh, but has now bought several other parts of land up to the tens of thousands, uh, hundreds of thousands of acres now of the state of Nebraska. If memory serves, I think winter quarters is across the border in Iowa, so that might not even count toward that number. Well, so according to this article, which you can find uh, in the uh, show notes, the Winter Quarters Nebraska Temple is in Omaha, according to the Winter Quarters Memorial Site is not. Okay, maybe that's the difference. So the temple in Omaha, the memorial site in Iowa. It's like literally like across the river. It's like you can probably see one from the other. but Like, hello over there. Yes, hi, we are Nebraska. Hello, we are Iowa. Good to see you. Um, yeah, so, so worth noting that, uh, we wane on this and I want to make sure that we have enough time to share this story. Uh, do you have anything else that you're like, oh man, we've got to talk about this before we close this out? Nothing. I, I have some things we could talk about, but nothing that's burning and urgent. So no. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I think that we go here. This is interesting. And man, if you want to, Take the adventure down, uh, like what the road. Go ahead and, and find this show in or this story in the show notes. The headline is This couple, and this is so clickbaity, I love it. This couple found out they were cousins and they got married anyway, is the uh, the title of this particular one. So uh, in what feels like a deleted scene from The Crown, a woman took to social media to tell the world that she chose to marry her boyfriend, who is also her cousin. Now, Kenna, who goes by Kenna Hags on TikTok, decided to crack open the popular social media app in order to reveal a pretty intense secret. She married her cousin, and it was not a mistake. Uh... While clutching a can of what appears to be a terrifying brand of seltzer, Kenna and her husband gleefully embrace behind text explaining how much they relate to each other. In fact, hint, it's too much. The caption reads, just Utah things. And I hate to perpetuate a stereotype about Mormons in that state, but it seems as if Kenna is already going to do that. Before anyone asks, she and her husband are definitely members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. According to the Daily Mail in a November 2023 piece about the Mormon Church, or okay, that's a side thing. So now there is the termed phrase, a husband, a cousin who is also your husband. So if you are cousins with your husband, now we have a term for it. A term we didn't I am not know a fan needed. of that new word. <laughs> and I'm a word person, as you know. Yeah, I like I like new words now. You're no. not a fan of husband, huh? Well, and if I recall correctly, Utah law does not allow first cousins to marry unless they are over 65, 65, or they are both infertile. So do, where do they fall on that one? So, or are they second cousins or something? So interesting that you would ask, and I appreciate the curious mind of which you have. Uh, it is why we are friends and why we both decide to do these news articles uh, for the cultural hall. Uh, I shared this particular article on uh, the Cultural Hall Facebook page, where we show most of the art, share most of the articles that we ultimately will end up talking about in articles of news. And uh, we had a, a response. I'm scrolling now, I'm stalling to try and find it. A response about how closely related they likely could be. 
And so now let me go to those comments. Uh, Robert Mortensen, who funnily enough is actually a cousin of mine. <laughs> uh, he says that he did some research because he's sort of nerdy about the uh, the family history. He says, I'm pretty sure that they're not first or second cousins. More likely, they're much more distant cousins, and this is clickbait, which is much ado about nothing. So then he goes on. Because I have a family tree of nearly 100,000 people, and I enjoy connecting my DNA cousins within five generations, I figured I'd do some internet sleuthing on our mystery couple in this article. Well... He says, I've created complete family trees for both of them going back six generations, and there are no common ancestors within six generations on these family trees. Oh, heavens. I found only one common surname, but they aren't related between the trees. I did find that Eli Hagemeyer, the alleged husband, is the grandson of the wonderful Ed Pinnegar. Eli and McKenna's cousin connection must be greater than fifth cousins. So again, much ado about nothing but well done by them creating clickbait and controversy for the news outlets to pick up. Now, Ish. worth it for the term cousband, I say, because I like it. I know you are rejecting the term. It gives me the will. Well, as long as you're talking sixth or seventh times removed yeah. or something, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. a different. And that's yeah. most people in Utah. If you have pioneer ancestry and you're in Utah, you're related, period. Yeah, but I like the shock value of this is my husband. <laughs> Like, you're what now? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Where does that come from? Well, he's my cousin and also my husband. I'm sorry, what? But it is interesting, and this is not the focus of the article, not necessarily the focus of the article. The cousin part is the big thrust of it. But the, 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 uh, I don't even know how to frame this because I don't want to put any sort of like, like everybody gets to do their own marriage their own way, but like uh, she she'll say things like her husband is not allowed in the kitchen. Like only she does the cooking. He works and she spends his money. Like there's some weird uh, aside from the husband part of this whole thing. There's some there's some there's some cleaverish things going on. Yeah, there's some very like strange and everyone gets to do their marriage however it works, right? I don't have it figured out. Trust me, being married to me 24-7 is a chore for my wife. Apologies, sweet Jess. Uh, but like there's some stuff that I'm just like, is this is this all played up for social media? I hope so. Because mm. it because it because it it's some weird like he doesn't allow me to work kind of stuff. And they and they don't, I I guess in my mind, I picture the kind of person what that person would look like who would say something like that. And they don't look like that. And I don't think anyone should ever say that about another person. Like that, there seems mm -hmm. like some control and some manipulation. I don't know. But, but that's, it, yeah, that's I remember having I knowing a girl once who she and her husband got married and dealt with infertility for years. And their Christmas letter literally said she quit her job so she can stay home because that's where she belongs. Mm. And I was like, wait, what now? You have no yeah. children. What? Yeah. What? Ha ha ha. No, no. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah, I, ugh, I bristled at that one. That seemed so sick and wrong. But yeah. So uh, we'll end it on this uh, after Robert does the full uh, report on to whether or not these people are actually cousins and it's the husband. He says, ultimately, they're not that related to which I asked him, cousin, should we get married then? And yet I have no response from my husband, <laughs> Robert Mortensen. We'll see. I don't think he listens to the cultural hall, but if he does, the offer's there, Robert. You could be my husband. That's a whole different kind of TikTok when we share something like that. 
And then uh, we're also getting into bigamy at that point. Yeah, right. And then, you know, I mean, then they're technically though cousin and non-romantic interest. It's still technically a homosexual marriage. And then we face church discipline as far as all that goes and on and on and on. The TikToks would have their day. Uh, Annette, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. I hope that if you could not listen this week, that you'll be healthy and will be able to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you will be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you. On the back row? Of? Of the Cultural, the cultural Hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. On the back row. We really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.